0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Ottersford District Council's Planning Committee on this lovely afternoon. Um, to those of you um, that are listening in the, the web, on the web as well, um, I'll start by running through how we intend to run today's committee. Um, we have no expected fire drills, and so should the alarm go off if you leave by the main doors and go down the stairs into the car park? Um, the toilets are out the main door and to the right. And I think we will have um, a break about 3.30, um, just, so just to give us a break, um, if business looks like it will run on for a while after that. For those of you unfamiliar with this planning committee, the council officers will have prepared reports on each of our planning applications and have recommended whether each particular application should be either approved or refused. It is, however, the the job of the planning committee members seated along the front here to assess the, the applications and to make the final decision. Today we have 10 applications to consider. Therefore, for each application... I will ask the relevant officer to give a short presentation on the proposal, outlining the reasons for their recommendations. I will then invite those of you who have already registered to speak on the particular application to present your views for a maximum of four minutes. The applicant will then be given the opportunity to speak up to their proposal and address any issues that have come up from the other speakers or the officer's report. Once we have gone through this, I will then open up the discussion to the planning committee members to make their points on the matter, to ask relevant questions of the officers before asking them to make a decision on the application. And then with a proposal to vote on whether the application should be approved, refused, or deferred. So I hope that's clear for everyone. Before we go to the first application, we need to agree the minutes of the previous committee. So, are they agreed?
1: sorry madam chairman apologies yes, and declarations first
0: oh yes I do apologize thank you very much Councillor Gerard are there any apologies for absence I think we have a full house here today that's great thank you any declarations of interest Councillor Fairhurst welcome back by the way
2: thank you madam chairman Se Walden Town Council and portfolio holder for business development strategy and investment.
0: Thank you very much. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair.
1: Um, Yes, Cabinet Member for Communities, Residents, Police and Emergency Services. I'm a member of Newport Parish Council for item four. I'm a member of the Newport, Quendon and Rickling uh, Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group for item 11 and four. And I'm a member of the 100 Parishes Society.
0: Thank you very much. Councillor Freeman.
1: Yes, thank you. <clears throat> member of Saffron
3: Warden, Town Council. Thank you. Member of Hennam Parish Council.
0: Thank you very much. Councillor Bagnall.
4: Uh, member of Taitley Parish Council for item number six.
0: And Councillor Stora.
5: Thank you, Chair. Uh, With regard to Item 3, I was the planning consultant acting for Town Council and the residents at the time, so I will absent myself from the Chamber. And with regard to Item 5, I have formally objected to that application, so again, I will absent myself from the Chamber. But before I do, I would like to be able to address the Committee uh, for four minutes as a member of the public, if I may. Chair. Yes, you
0: you asked asked that earlier on today. So yes, that's fine. Thank you very much, Councillor Stora.
6: Uh, Madam Chair, yes. for the um, benefit of members generally, the hundred parishes society is more akin to the national trust, provided they declare it in their register of interests they need only declare it again if an application should be for consideration that the society is actively involved in.
0: Thank you very much for that clarification. Thank you. Moving on um, to the minutes of the previous meeting. To consider the minutes of the previous meeting. Are we content that they are correct?
7: Yeah.
0: Yes. Thank you. Your hands, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll sign those at the end. Thank you. Now, oh, put, put that on. Are there any applications that have been withdrawn?
8: Thank you, Chairman. Two, two applications of, of, merit, of, of relevance here. First of all, the application agenda item 7, uh, Land to the North of Stebbing Primary School and the Rear of Gardenfields and Parkside Garden Fields, stepping. That planning application has been withdrawn, so that matter will not be considered today. And, and secondly, on Agenda Item 6, uh, UTT-19-1583, stroke stroke land to the south of School Lane, Mile Green, Tateley. Um, a matter was raised just before the meeting regarding, I think there has been some, some matters raised regarding notification. Although I'm sort of content the notification has taken place I think we do need to investigate that so my suggestion is that at your discretion chairman that that matter is is withdrawn from the meeting from this meeting and apologies for anyone who's come up for that particular item
0: Well I'm content to withdraw that if the rest of the committee is are you yes yeah. yes thank you So we're moving on to item 3, UTT 182959 DFO, land east of Little Walden Road, Saffron Walden, and it's Luke Mills. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. And just to say, Councillor Stora has left the
9: room. Thank you. The site comprises approximately 4.5 hectares of undeveloped agricultural land to the east of Little Walden Road in Saffron Walden. The application is for the approval of reserved matters following a grant of outline planning permission at appeal for up to 85 dwellings. The scheme includes a variety of house types, two public open spaces, a single vehicular access from Little Walden Road and a pedestrian and cycle link to St Mary's View. This slide shows a sample of the proposed street scenes, which reveal a traditional design approach and a mix of external finishes, including brick, render, and weatherboard, under red and grey tiled roofs. The applicant has submitted a number of artist impressions to better illustrate how the development would appear within its setting. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to the conditions listed in my report, which add to those already imposed by the outline planning permission.
0: Thank you very much, Mr Mills. Um, we have two speakers, Mr John Brindley and Mr Paul Gad. Um, Mr Brindley, is that the agent?
8: Oh, should I, should no, no. So, so, sorry, sorry. It be sorry. Mr. Gadd first. Your name was
0: first. No. Sorry, Mr. Gad, please. So he has five think... minutes. Yes. <clears throat> and you have five. You have five minutes. Thank
10: you, Madam Chair. I was going to say it would be very helpful because the points I'm making are in relation to the differences between the scheme approved at the on appeal and the current scheme, and particularly the differences in green space would be very helpful in terms of making my points, if it was possible to have the two plans up on the screen at the same time.
9: They're not in the slides, but they're in the report pack, I think. They're in the agenda okay. pack. Well, it maybe. Maybe. A, could I give people just a minute to get both? Um... It's an appendix C to this report. There's a comparison between the framework um, development plan, or the framework plan rather from the outline permission, and an extract from the proposed site plan. So, there should be, so the, the um, appeal
10: plan in the bottom right-hand corner says 6825L03J. So if, you, if people can have that and so we can compare
9: it with... Yes, yeah, so it's quite a small that image scale. That's from that revision J um, yeah, okay. plan there. It's just an extract, so it won't have it in the bottom right corner, but it's referenced at the top. Okay, Thank you. Thank you, manager. Um, so I'm speaking on behalf
10: of Saffron Warden Town Council... We're opposing the application on two grounds. The first, that some proposed homes do not meet National Minimum Space Standards. The second is in relation to the dramatic reduction in green space between the approved permission and the scheme now proposed. Dealing first with the failure of the two-bedroom houses to meet National Minimum Space Standards, the Officer's report dismisses our concerns on the basis that UDC has not yet adopted the National Standards. That's, however, only part of the picture. The national standards are a material consideration for you. Emerging Local Plan Policy D1 requires that new development should meet these standards, and the MPPF specifically requires minimum standards where, as in Uttlesford's case, the evidence shows there's need. All of these are material considerations. The report says the houses are only one square metre smaller, but that's a huge amount in this context of absolute minimum standards and small houses already. A standard kitchen unit or oven is 60 centimetres square, so one metre square is sufficient to accommodate three, almost three units. In the context of these houses, that's clearly material. It would be a simple matter for the developer to comply. Failure to comply, in our opinion, means the development breaches emerging policy D1 and the MPPF and means the development is unsustainable. Moving on to the um, second point, the site layout plans for the approved outline planning permission and the now proposed detailed planning permission are prepared to different scales and in different configurations, and the differences aren't necessarily readily apparent. We therefore wrote to all councillors over the weekend, attaching the two plans and noting the key differences. But I'll go over them briefly. The southwest segment, that's the one in the bottom right-hand corner of the plan on the map, um, had a large area which originally accommodated the suds and the play area. The proposed scheme reduces this significantly and is actually less than 60% of the approved area, the missing 40% being given over to the pumping station, which is now in that corner, parking for it and extra housing space. To accommodate this reduction, the play area is moved to the southeast segment, which is the top right-hand corner, and it then occupies roughly half of the originally proposed amenity land. Harder to see... At the southern end, which is the right hand side of the map on the screen, the approved scheme extends some way north and west in the northwest corner of St Mary's View. The current proposal builds on this part. Every bit of green space in the original approved scheme has been subtly reduced. Just as significantly, if you look at the approved scheme, all the way around the perimeter, a green belt was left which was wide enough for a row of native tree planting, then a trim trail, and then a hedge providing a green buffer, which is important for ecological reasons. The proposed scheme scraps all of this. You can see it builds out right to the edges of the site on the west and east boundaries, with only a few choken trees in their place. None of these changes should be acceptable. The appeal decision specifically approved the approved scheme and the extent and type of green space were material to that appeal. You may be aware that the approved scheme originally proposed a restricted area of green space, The applicant, however, amended that scheme to include the greater amount of green space, finally allowed, and when they appealed, they specifically requested the appeal be decided on the basis of the extended area of green space, not the reduced amount now proposed. They clearly believed that the difference in the green space between the two schemes was material to the appeal, and it clearly is. The inspector was careful to state that his decision was on the basis of the enlarged green space. Yet now you're being asked to approve a proposal which just throws this away. Not only was the green space area important to the appeal decision, the tree screening around the site, which is now to be discarded, was material to the inspector's conclusions on the landscape impact of the development. The double row of planting around the perimeter was identified by the inspector as a specific asset to the approved scheme. And at the appeal, both the applicant and UDC confirmed the great amount of green space was appropriate, and the applicant gave a Section 106 unilateral undertaking to provide it. In the inspector's weighing of the balances of the advantage and disadvantage of the approved scheme, he very clearly identified the amount of green space and the primitive planting. The application was otherwise in breach of existing policy S7, and set against this were the um, advantages of the scheme, including this. The officer's report notes that UDC does not currently have adopted open space for standards, but then abandons the issue. UDC has a policy of requiring the provision of green space, the MPPF requires it, and it was a very material consideration of the appeal decision that the quantity and quality of green space proposed was sufficient. If you compare the current application with the approved scheme, there are no additional benefits to the proposed scheme. Each provides 85 new houses, which is the benefit of the scheme. But the new scheme is significantly worse environmentally and socially by, by reducing the green space by about half. It should therefore be refused, and this council should insist that the developer provides the green space detailed in the appeal together with the 85 houses. There's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't do, and it's purely short term profit motives um, offending the social aspects of this scale scheme. Thank you very much, Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Yad. Mr. Brindley.
11: Chair, members of the committee, thank you for the opportunity to address the meeting this afternoon. My name is John Brinley, Planning Director at CMYK. We are the agents acting on behalf of Abbey Developments. The application before you is for reserved matters. Outline permission has already been granted, which establishes the principle of redevelopment of the site for residential development. Since the application was last at committee, we have, as the committee requested, amended the affordable housing types, so that your housing officer is now satisfied we provided a colour layout and 3D perspectives of the site to aid understanding of the proposals. We've also made amendments to the mix to make it more in line with your council's required mix as set out in the council's strategic housing market assessment. No objection is raised by the following. Highway Authority, Essex Police, Lead Local Flood Authority, the council's ecological consultant, Environmental Health and Housing Enabling Officer, the Water authorities. The case officer raises no objection, and in his report, sets out very clearly that the application meets all of the council's policy requirements. The only statutory objection comes from the parish council. Again, the officer has clearly set out in his report that all of the issues raised by the parish are addressed in the application, or that there is no policy requirement for it. Appendix C to the committee, which has already been set out, gives a clear indication that the proposed layout follows the indicative layout from the outline permission, and the open space provision is comparable except with the quick play area being moved so it's closer to the proposed link to the existing residence. On the basis that there is no objection from your officers and the case officers recommending approval, we would ask that you endorse your officers' recommendation. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr Brindley. I'll open it up to the committee now. Councillor Freeman.
12: <clears throat> yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I know this area well, because it happens to be within my ward. I'm the ward counsel, one of the ward councillors for it, <clears throat> and I obviously support everything that Councillor Gadd has already pointed out. Can I ask, though, a matter of information, you showed us some elevations, and on those elevations, if you can go back to the slide, please. Yeah, on the top left-hand side, there are three-storey dwellings. I thought... These had run into problems with the original application on the basis of the housing officer. Uh, some of them had, uh, maybe I've misunderstood that, I, I had the impression that they'd been reduced in height. Can you uh, enlighten us?
9: Sure, happy to explain. No, these, these are different units. These are the flats, um, so there were no problems raised with those. It was certain houses um, that were three-storey ones. That was what the... Housing Enabling Officer had objected to, uh, they were affordable units over three storeys. So, yeah, they're, they're different buildings.
12: OK, thank you. If I may, Madam Chairman, um, the loss of open space, the, the design that's being used, is not the one that was approved at appeal, uh, and we didn't make any comments on it at first, because on face value, it appears to be a satisfactory design. On the other hand, on closer inspection they uh, say, sometimes say, the devil is in the detail. And uh, we had a quantity surveyor look at this in a rather more professional way. Uh, and the, the point about this is that the uh, approved space, that is the one approved by the inspector on appeal, uh, had the open space of about 5,370 square metres, uh, whereas this design, the one you see in front of us, is 3,372 square metres, of open space public open space and that's a loss of 2000 square metres just like that so that itself is significant because really this site doesn't have very much in the way of public open space you may say the developer may say well what about the bottom right hand corner of this which is the the south west? Uh, but that's actually is a balancing pond now a balancing pond uh, are there to fill up when it rains and nowadays we have torrential downpour as we know and so balancing ponds do actually do their work, they do their job. Uh, But all you can use them for is you can plant them with wildflowers, and that's fine, and maybe a few bulrushes if it's sufficiently wet. Uh, but actually, you can't use them as public open space. Usually, they're fenced off, very firmly fenced off, because when it rains, they fill with water, and people will drown in them. And you can see examples of this, uh, on, again, in my own ward, uh, Mortimer's Gate, which has a very large balancing pond in the middle of it, firmly fenced off, because it fills with water when it rains. Uh, And also, if you drive into Newport on the north side, the Bloor Homes development has very large balancing ponds next door to the new roundabout, and they're there. Also, they will have to fence them, because they will fill with water. So it's not public open space in the sense that it's available. You can look at it. I suppose you can throw disused fridges and televisions into it, but it's not something that you're going to run around and kick a ball in, and you will actually work hard to keep your children well away from it. Now, the original plan uh, had the children's playground quite close to that balancing pond, which, again, you could argue is not a very good thing. But one of the features about children's playgrounds, and the the, uh, design and access statement actually goes into this, you have a, a children's playground in the middle of habitations. That's good practice. Uh, the idea is that they have overlooking and there's security by virtue of the fact that people look out of their windows, they can keep an eye on their children and see what they're getting up to. Of course, see if there's any unsavory characters hanging around. The proposed location, which is in the uh, top right of this illustration that you've got in front of you, it's basically to the south, is a sort of nature reserve. It's unused land at the moment. But if you look at it carefully, it actually doesn't have much in the way of houses. Overlooking where the children's playground will be. It would be possibly a very nice children's playground. It would also be a very private children's playground. And that, again, is not very good. So I have issues on the loss of open space. As I say, a quantity surveyor has looked at this. It's a shame that the plans that come forward now, after all legal documents, don't give scaled. Uh, plans of the actual dwellings so you can do the calculations they ought to actually give the gross square meterage of the dwellings again it doesn't seem to be the fashion but it would be very useful but I don't understand moving on to the space issue uh, within the dwellings what's special about Uttlesford because we have national standards national standards they're not national standards excepting Uttlesford they are national standards the clues are in the two words so I don't see why we shouldn't adopt these and the fact that the town councils it's not, it's not a town council, by the way, it might be technically a parish council, but it represents a town of some sixteen, thousand people. I don't see why the town council's reasonable concerns should be dismissed by saying, as it says on page sixteen, section 8.2, um, uh, part one covered in section O below. Part two, the council doesn't have an adopted policy on safe space standards. As a member of this council, an elected member of this council, I want to know why. And actually, it is high time, we got them. And why haven't it been brought to our attention? It wasn't until I read this that I realised, hey, what we're trying to do is to fix a job and the toolbox is completely inadequate for the job in hand. It's like being told to service a car with an adjustable spanner and a screwdriver, and I'm quite good with cars, you know. It's something that you, you have an appropriate toolbox for the job, and it's very clear that the toolbox that we have is not up to scratch, and that needs to be fixed. That's not matter for this meeting, but it would be fixed in the foreseeable future, I can promise you. Item four, the council doesn't have an adopted policy on public open space standards. Why not? And arguably it does. And the council does on item five, an adopted policy requiring full fibre broadband connections. We could go on. This council passed a motion at full council uh, on taking firm measures within its gift uh, to limit um, climate uh, expansion, global warming, whatever means within within its gift. Uh, Working from home is an important part of that. Full fibre connections are also a part of that, so you can work from home instead of having to go to work, in the obvious way. The same thing applies to electric cars. Why don't we have charging points? We don't have a policy. Don't tell me. I know the answer already. We don't have a policy. Why don't we have a policy? In fact, all you could do is to put in the ducting for the cables required. You don't necessarily have to put points in. So it's lacking in all sorts of ways. But the things which are arguable, and I'd be very happy to argue this in a court of appeal, uh, are the space standards for the dwellings. They're too small by national standards. I'm happy to stand by that. Okay, it's a square metre. So what? As my colleague points out, a square metre is actually two or three floor units, and they're very small dwellings anyway. We have within Saffron Warden, within my ward, Madam Chairman, uh, houses, modern houses, with double bedrooms, where you can't get a double bed in. We have houses with double bedrooms, where if you do get a double bed in there, you can't open the door. you have to actually hang the door so it opens into the landing which I think is against building regulations but anyway uh, that's the only way you can actually fully open the door into those rooms it is an absurdity and these houses will be there for 50 years maybe 100 years and it's simply not good enough to say where they can build an extension onto them you know it is this application is superficially attractive for example in the design and access statement which is uh, a legal document this one's dated February 2017 But it is supposed to give us a flavour of uh, the finished product. If you go, I think, to page uh, 65th, I can't really read it, do grey on grey, section 4.0, design proposals. Um, Very often these things are a triumph of hope over expectation, and in some respects this one as well. Uh, uh, The use of energy efficient appliances, heating systems, energy controls and management, just words. Specify. Please be specific. We haven't asked them to be. Improved insulation, improved against what? Are these passive houses? No, they are not. Nowhere near. It's just words. But then if you go towards the bottom, controlled water demand, low flow showers, they're required by building regulations anyway. But to top it all, on the bottom here, there's a rather gorgeous photograph of solar panels stuck on roofs. There is nothing in this application that mentions solar panels. Regardless of whether you want them or not, they're not there. And if we ask for them, you say, well, we haven't got a policy on that. And again, why not? So my recommendation to this committee would be the planner, the planners, well, we're the planners, the applicant needs to do better, basically. The means are there. The standards are there. And if we pass this, then it must be strictly conditioned for national space standards and whatever else. But actually, we need to get ourselves very quickly, very promptly, some adopted standards in place, and we can do that. We can do it through cabinet. We don't have to wait upon the emergence of the emerging local plan. That would be about 18 months away. We can't wait that long. It's an open goal at the moment. So, essentially, my proposal, and I'm putting this forward as a proposal, Madam Chairman, is that we refuse this application on two counts, both of which have been mentioned already, one of them is, uh, it's lost here now, but I've got it somewhere. Uh, one of them is on the issue of the actual space of, of the dwellings, which are not up to a, an adequate standard. And the other one is on the issue of the reduction of green space. Of course, this plan is not the one that was approved by the inspector. And I'm happy to argue that in a court of appeal. Thank you.
8: Chair, chairman, can I assist members at the moment? I'll, I'll set aside the green space issue because I'm—I'm—I think—and the, the reason why we haven't got dodgy standards is the local plan issue, and that needs to be emerging. And I think we hopefully will be in a position whereby we can adopt the development management policies once we get a, the necessary steer from the from the inspector, which is due next month. So, but so I think we're not going to have to wait for the full adoption of the whole committee bef- of the whole local plan before we can adopt the policies. But I do accept. What Councillor Freeman has said, um, I can almost guarantee that although they are in the emerging policies, they will be adopted because they are filling full, full square within the MPPF. I do think some of these issues could be addressed by conditions, which is in members' give to add. Um, this is specifically on the the matters, the the latter bit of what Councillor Freeman has just said. The first issue about the national space standards, they're nearly, they haven't demonstrated they comply with the national, the, the, but we seem to be about a square metre off that means that you can condition them. That, that can be the thickness of a line within the, within the actual scheme. So I don't think there's any problem with us conditioning it that the all houses are in accordance with the national space standards. If they want to appeal that condition, bring that one on, to be honest, because that's an emerging policy and that, is, that can be achieved. The, we, have also, we have already picked up the issue regarding the, um, um, the charging points within the condition 4. Whereby we've moved on to say that all dwellings, whether we would have, prior to occupation of each dwelling, in full details of works to enable the installation of safe, convenient, accessible electrical vehicle charging points must be submitted, and admitted, and by... So that's that's moved it to all dwellings, which is quite rightly. I don't, I really don't know why we have to worry worrying about this because the developer should be doing it anyway in order to sell the properties. So it is within your gift, if you want to to actually move that on in terms of picking up broadband connectivity, your issue regarding the ducks, that could be put on as a condition as well. Again, that is putting, it's actually putting the horse in front of the cart in terms of what's happening in terms of the emerging policies. We are going to be in that position this time next year that will be routine in terms of applications. I think the officer was quite right saying it it doesn't it's not currently policy, but it's it's not is within your gift to add that. That is that is appealable if they want to, and I'm content to defend that on appeal if they want to appeal that condition. That covers broadband. That covers um, electrical charging points. That also covers national space standards. Um, there is an issue regarding um, uh, with regarding energy because we're actually told that we can't use planning to do energy standards. That is the building control building regulations has caught us up and overtaken us. But again, I'm not suggesting you do that and I seriously request you don't put conditions on regarding energy efficiency because that is doubling up with the building regulations full squarely. So a lot of those issues are within your gift to actually put on as conditions. Um, and so first, that, I, would, I would seriously suggest you pick that point up first and then look, go back. I'm not dissing the green space issue because I think that's potentially the fund, that, that seems to be the fundamental issue between the Town Council and us but those other issues could be covered by conditions.
4: Thank you. Um, yeah, I fully support um, what was said previously by Mr Gad. So I'm a bit confused as to why we're looking at um, a scheme here that was not the one that was presented at the appeal. So it's quite clear under Section 6 of the procedural matters of the appeal that for the avoidance of doubt, this decision is based upon drawing 6825 which, is as been called out, is completely different to this drawing. So it sounds to me as though the, the developer has said whatever they need to say or do for the appeal hearing to get the decision and then have come along to Uttlesford and changed it. Now, that is fundamentally wrong in my view. Uh, I think I agree with those conditions, but I think those conditions should come after... We go back to the original scheme. So I think the developer should be asked to work with the original drawings and devise the scheme because it sounds like the number of houses is the same. So it doesn't sound like the number of houses has changed. So I would be minded to refuse it and ask the developer to work with the original scheme and have those conditions as well. That would be that would be where my thinking is because it, it just it strikes me as bizarre that we would allow a scheme to come forward that was based on something completely different at appeal. So, originally, Uttlesford must have refused it. It went to appeal. The the developer then says and does all the things they need to do to get through the appeal and then chucks that out of the window and then comes up with a different scheme. That's got to be wrong. So, we we must go back and uphold the inspector's decision, which was to allow the application based on that drawing 6825. So I think we should refuse it on the basis that the drawing is the wrong drawing. That's probably not a planning matter, but I think you know what I mean.
1: Thank you Chair. Um, Yes, lots of things to think about here. Uh, I, I also am Disturbed by seeing something that was not in the original appeal decision, it does worry me. Um, looking at the original map that was uh, from the appeal I, I wouldn't have a, a problem on the, on the issues here, apart from some of the design issues already mentioned, happy to hear from Mr Brown about the conditions that we can put in uh, that would solve a lot of those issues. I am also concerned that we're not adopting national standards. I still can't quite understand why a national standard is not something we can – we must follow, but I, I, I understand that there are differences of opinion in interpretation of whether we can or we can't, but let's just park that for a moment. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the issue of the green space, I think that, you know, this was – Granted appeal, it's been sold on. The new developer basically is putting something else to us. We have to look at the sustainability of an 85 house development here on the edge of Walden, Little Walden Road, which I followed it from the early stages. I was always a bit dubious about it in in the beginning. But here we are, we have to now decide whether or not this is sustainable. Uh, That's our duty. Does it meet the standards of sustainability? Well, okay, we we know what the benefits are. 85 houses, affordables, some jobs while they're building these things, etc. Mr Gad's comments regarding the the impact on on the social side as well as the environmental side, something that I think we should consider. Does Does it meet the social needs? Does it satisfy the social third of our sustainability equation? Um, With the original plan, I would probably have said yes. With this plan, I'm afraid I have to say no. And I think that we... I know that our planning team are always conscious of the issues of appeal. Uh, Fully appreciate that. But we are here to uh, enforce sustainability. That is our mantra. That is the mantra that's given to us by the MPPF. And I don't think that what's presented to us in this proposal is sustainable. And therefore, I... Unfortunately, I feel I have to second the motion to refuse on the point that I just mentioned. And in terms of policy, I think on the space standards, I think that D1 that has been quoted, which replaces Gen 2, I know it's in the emerging plan. We have two recent appeals where the inspectors have given uh, moderate weight to our new emerging plan, uh, but in any case, I think that that, 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 is, a, a, that is a strong case for, for, for defence, but overall it's a question of green space. Green space.
0: <clears throat> Councillor Loughlin, then
13: Councillor Bagnall. Looking through the appeal, and I had marked this uh, on page 33, uh, paragraph 36. It says, um, and it's talking about the landscape character assessment, Um, taking all these factors into account, I conclude that the impact of the proposed development would be harmful to the character and appearance of the area. This would be in conflict with saved ULP policy S7 and paragraph 17, bullet point 5 of the framework. Any harm will be localised as the site is well contained in the landscape and the harm will diminish with time as new planting becomes more established. And this is the bit. Nonetheless, the identified harm weighs against the proposals of the planning balance. Now, that speaks volumes to me. That is the inspector saying don't like this uh, certainly this part of the landscaping that everybody's mentioned so far I, I think I tend to agree also um, uh, on uh, page 32 it says the woodland, and nobody's mentioned the woodland, it said it lies outside the site, but if the council considered it expedient, it could serve a TPO, similar to the one that it served in 2016 in respect of the trees at the southern end of the site well there's nothing in the 106 uh, that mentions anything about TPOs or the trees being saved in any shape or form so I'm going to go along with the others, I don't think I could vote for this uh, in its Current, um, in the current scheme and I'm very unhappy that it is actually going against what the planning inspector has said uh, in the appeal so no I won't be voting for this either. Thank you very much Councillor Bagnall.
4: Uh, it's a question for the officer um, and you might not know the answer to this one so I was doing the maths so I've heard that we've had a reduction of over 2,000 square metres of open space and I've heard that the, some of the properties are smaller than they should be and yet we've got the same number of houses. So I was trying to work out what's swallowed up 2,000 square metres and the additional square metres from the houses that are now too small. Is, is it that we've got much bigger five-bedroom houses and four-bedroom houses, in which case that doesn't really help our... Whilst it's a number for our housing supply, in terms of the overall uh, national picture, we should be doing more affordable housing. And having bigger five-bedroom and bigger four-bedroom at the expense of smaller two- and one-bed properties surely isn't the right way to go either. So I think we need to think about that as well. And that's probably a message to the developer as well when they go away and think about a revised scheme. Because affordable housing isn't a bigger five-bedroom house, quite, quite plainly. Uh, and certainly not at the expense of a smaller one-bed and two-bed property. So I think we need to start being a bit more realistic about the affordable stuff. And that's not aimed at the officer, that's aimed generally, and I think it's probably more aimed at the developer. Thanks.
0: Thank you very much, Councillor
9: Wagner.
8: All right, okay. Do you want want to help you frame something? Well, well, obviously you need to vote. Um, But I think if, if members are mindful to refuse it, Um, I think you need to pick up my suggestions in terms of the issues regarding the emerging issues regarding standards, uh, broadband connections, that you you could achieve that by way of conditions. So I just throw that out there at the moment. And in terms of if you... There are policies available on the current local plan if you feel that this is has a... um, This doesn't... it's, It's green space and open space and that it's the provision of the site. And not... I mean, it's picking up... Councillor Bagnall's point but pick picking up Councillor Freeman's original point and I would suggest that potentially Gen 2, Gen 7 and EMV 8 are those policies that we need to be doing in terms of that um, but it's just, I would just I would press on members to rather than refuse it on those other issues and if you wanted to refuse it on the lack of broadband provision obviously there's the emerging policy INF, INF4 but I think that could be handled by way of conditions but if you want to cover that, you can refuse it, and I would say that would fall away in terms of a a statement of common ground anyway in terms of suggested conditions moving forward.
13: Could we say EMV3?
8: That's more press where you've got an existing open space that's been lost. Well, it
13: does say
8: the loss of traditional open and other visually... Yeah. Yeah, I've got it here. Got it. No, that was a question rather than a challenge, to be honest. I'm satisfied that that goes beyond just the loss of existing open spaces. Um, but it's it's visually important spaces, groups of trees, and find. I think you could. I think you could add in EMV3, looking at that, yeah.
13: Sorry, for those... Uh, shall we call in the audience? I don't know what to come. Um The loss of traditional open spaces, other visually important spaces, groups of trees, and fine individual tree specimens through development proposals will not be permitted unless the need for the development outweighs their amenity value. And I, I don't think it does, does it? So, EMV3? It has to go to Richard to see what he says.
12: Well, it's concerning that... Can you show us a a plan, please, which incorporates uh, the woodland, which is not on this uh, image that you have in front? Uh, Yes, okay. The extreme right of the picture there's a tongue of woodland, which is actually uh, untouched for 50 years. You can't even easily get into it. Which means it's quite interesting because it contains all sorts of interesting wildlife, including allegedly barbastrel bats, which I'd never heard of, but they're quite rare, and they're apparently in there. Um, anyway, uh, it had a, 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 tea preser- a tree preservation order put onto it by the planners. Mm. <coughs> Obviously, it has to be preserved, and so the Section 106, at the very least, should state that, or the conditions yes. should state that. Otherwise, um, it'll just vanish and sort of get used. So my feeling is, sorry, but my, my feeling is that Uh, an application needs to be as good as it can be when it comes to us it's not our job to mend applications Uh, conditions are sort of things that in a way give us a work around and the strong presumption is in favour of development and we have targets to meet and we're at the moment behind them but that's not an excuse for bad development and it takes these houses will be there for 50 years will probably be there for 100 years in some form or another. The planning consent will last forever. So it falls to us to get it right. And finding a workaround isn't a solution, in my view. I think this should go back to the drawing board and be done
1: again.
0: Councillor Gerard. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Chair. Yeah, just following on, I mean, in terms of policy, I, I think that there are there – are various policies that we probably should be talking about if we we do vote on this and and we do choose to uh, reject this. Could I suggest that if it comes to that, we might bring it back to to Mr. Brown to once again possibly uh, put this to uh, something that can be worded correctly that we bring back next time in terms of agreeing the wording of those policies. Uh, That's what we've done before. It seems like one of those occasions where we might want to do that again.
8: I don't really want to kick against that. I think the, the problem we have here is the, and I'm not crying for him, but the, the obviously the applicant has been waiting for some time for a decision, and f- to wait another month is a problem. And I think members have been very, very, uh, very clear in what their concerns are, and their concerns are first of all the the, the original concept, and, and I think Mr. Gabb had it very well when he when he when he when he was saying that originally this was considered as an outline application. where we were were considering in terms of the tilted balance in S7 and as mitigation for that they put forward this plan which showed a lot of green open space and a lot of Tree belts around the outside, and uh, members, are, you know, if members refuse this, there they are accepted. That was still fundamentally important, and I respect that. And quite clearly, Gen 2, Gen 7, EMV8, and em three with loss of, it's loss of loss of open space provision and also loss of existing green spaces and, and green space provision that could be worded quite appropriately picking up this, this mute point, and I do to some extent, I agree with, I, well I do agree with Councillor Frayman, not to do to, to some extent in terms of it is disappointed that the developer hasn't said, well okay the space banners are coming forward and broadband's coming forward and you know all these things are coming forward in the emerging local plan and I can guarantee that they would be adopted as part of the local plan going forward why haven't they future-proofed it? It's not even future-proofing it because it's been the situation for the last 10 years. So picking up if members are content to refuse it, but you do have to refuse it on the basis of the emerging local plan and that is that is a, a risk. It's not really a major risk in terms of refusing it oh on no, an INFA and D8 if you're on those grounds. They're quite pertinent. I would suggest that those ones could fall away in terms of going forward in terms of the proposal but they're defensible and, and I think that is quite clearly the reasons that have come up from members in terms of concerns. Councillor Freeman.
12: Yes, very briefly Madam Chairman. Uh, there's also the question of the space standards for the dwellings. I don't understand why we have difficulty with this. Modern houses are absurdly small uh, in England compared to the standards in other countries within the European Union, Uh, and it's not a major thing. It doesn't cost much more to make a room a little bit bigger. We're not, as has been pointed out by my colleagues, it's going to be 85 houses. It's not going to be 86 or 87. 85 dwellings is what's going to end up on here. It doesn't cost very much to make them a little bit bigger. So that, I submit, should be a basis also for air refusal.
8: It's a similar issue. It's picking up the fact that you're picking up an emerging policy, and 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 you know. And it, I would suggest that it's if you're adding that as a third refusal reason, because I think it is different from those other ones in terms of provision. You're sort of indicating that they haven't demonstrated that these developments can be up to the standards, which is contrary to. I'm trying to work out what policy that would be um, in terms of the in terms of the, the the national standards. Obviously, I'm not as familiar with the emerging local plan as I am with the current local plan. Um, I'm trying to see what condition, unless you want that reference back, straight back to the MPPF, I think that's probably the, yeah, D1 I think is the one,
1: and
12: then
0: Councillor Bagnell.
13: Thank you, I'm just wondering whether by making them bigger you'll make them less affordable, because a developer if he's going to have to use more materials, he's going to hike the price up. That would be my main worry. The, no, because, I mean, you, you get one-bedroom properties, and well, I, I, that would worry me, because you know, it doesn't take much for a developer to put uh, hike up a price. And uh, I, I do think that the small... Deal, you know, I don't think they're rabbit hutches or anything like that. And I'm just wondering whether you may de- be depriving the less well-off of a house if you put the price up. That's, I mean, it's only a moot point, but just wondered. Councillor uh, Bagnall.
4: Two points. So, to respond to that, I think it's a dangerous precedent to, to go below minimum standards. So, I don't think affordability and standards should be uh, mixed up, muddled. Sorry? Yeah, they are in some cases. So I think standards are standards, and I don't think we should dip below them to make them more affordable. Yeah,
8: just, just, just to clarify. Sorry, the Nigel. Policy, sorry, we, just, I was helping you out. Sorry.
4: I'll, I'll, just, I'll just finish my other bit, because you might want to add on to it. Uh, you start with the EMV3, and I don't think we concluded whether we're including the EMV3 or not, so I'd like to include EMV3. I think
8: so, yeah. You can do that. Yeah. I think the policy we're looking at in terms of... The Just sorry, the emerging policy is D1. Just to pick up Councillor Lachlan's point, uh, these these are. It doesn't matter if they're just below the, the national standards or completely below the national standards. They're just below the national standards. The actual impact in terms of bill costs is—we're is not actually asking them to make them massively bigger. It's just to bring them up to the standard, and we are talking one square metre. And you can argue to the council command—it's only one square metre. Well, if it's only one square metre, well, comply, and so therefore it's quite straightforward. That's why I thought it was such a minimal change that you could have done that way of condition. But you're not—if if you are not if you're going to move to refuse it, you're not approving it, so you can't put a condition on it. So, therefore, if you were going to do that, you would have to refuse it on emerging policy D1, and I think on that basis, we would then, as at an appeal, we will try to make that sorted out. And you can do such stuff like some amendments to the proposal as the appeal's going forward that can address all those particular issues. I think the fundamental issue is the green stuff, that the, you know, the actual green space provision, which is more than just provisioned. But I think you as you're refusing on general grounds you have to pick up those other grounds as well so so in conclusion you're looking at gen 2 gen 7 emv8 i think you can use emv3 in terms of the green space areas if you're going to if you're going to attack it in terms of issues in terms of broadband and in terms of I can't what the other thing was now there's d8 and EMV imv4 which picks up those other modernized parts of the proposal and d1 is the national standards issue so that is actually three refusal reasons
12: Yes. Madam Chairman, there's also NPPF requirements.
8: Yeah, we can weave in the NPPFs as well. There's
12: paragraph 8, there's paragraph 11, uh, and various other standards. NPPF, paragraph 127, yep. according to my notes. I'm happy to make this available to you, but you know it anyway.
8: All i would try to do is that I think we can make a determination today rather than... It's usually good practice when you make a refusal that we can capture it, but I think you've been quite clear in what your concerns are. Okay. No, you have to
14: vote.
0: Oh, no, to vote, yes, to vote. <laughs> okay. So, um, we have a proposal for, proposed by Councillor Freeman and Councillor Gerard seconded. Therefore, um, I'd like to take this proposal to a vote. So, all those in favour of the proposal, thank. You. I, was, I was just about to say that. The, take the proposal that to refuse this... Application. All those in favour of the proposal, to refuse, please.
6: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Refused unanimously, Madam Chair. Thank you.
0: It's twelve. It's actually twelve of us. <coughs> Thank you very much, Councillor Bagnall. Moving on to item four, UTT 181827, full application at Bickett's London Road in Newport. Um, Just before I ask you to start, um, colleagues will remember that this was the one that we couldn't access this morning and we we decided that we weren't going to ask ourselves to um, jump over the five-bar gate. So, thank you, Mr Mills. Thank you.
12: Madam Chairman, Thank sorry chair. to interrupt, but are we going to consider this since we haven't been able to do a site visit?
8: I, I would seriously suggest you still consider it, and then you know you just get to that point whereby, yeah, I would still consider that you carry on and consider it.
6: Excuse me, Madam Chair, but for, for the audio record, Councillor Stora has returned to the room. Thank
0: you very much. Thank you, Mr. Mills.
9: Thank you Chair. The site is located off London Road in Newport and comprises a detached house and its grounds. Adjoining paddock land is in the applicant's ownership but does not form part of the application. The application is for planning permission to demolish the existing buildings on the site and erect 20 dwellings, eight of which would be affordable homes in accordance with the Council's policy. Access would be via a remodelled access point off London Road. The principle of residential development has already been accepted on the site, planning permission being granted in 2016 for the erection of 11 dwellings, including two affordable homes. This slide shows a sample of the proposed street scenes, which reveal a traditional design approach and a mix of external finishes, including brick, render and weatherboard. It is recommended that planning permission be granted subject to a Section 106 agreement to secure the affordable housing provision, as well as the conditions listed in my reports.
0: Councillor bagman
4: I'm aware that we might have speakers, but yes, we I, we I really have. think... We If if people are minded to defer this because they've not had the site visit, I really think we are wasting time going through debate and... Sorry?
0: It's It's on? No,
4: it's not. It is. I can hear myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just think we're potentially going to spend 45 minutes debating this and if you've not had a site visit, uh, and if there are objections, part of the process is that we should have had a site visit. So you're probably out of process. So I really think you could be just wasting 45 I, minutes.
8: I would disagree with that, because with respect, Councillor Bagnall, you weren't there for the site visits anyway, and you would not have been disqualified from making a decision today. No, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, so
4: therefore I don't think... But people members, would have expected other committee
8: members to make there. No, I think members, members, need to, to members have visited the site... And the only thing they've been able to do... I'm not saying it's not significant, but members have not been able to go onto the site. The significant considerations regarding this application, and I don't want to fast-forward this, the critical two issues, which I think members, and I'm not trying to predict what you're going to do, is all about the impact of the proposal when you're entering the new port and the road. And so in terms of the 30-mile-an-hour speed limit, and I think they are both critical issues that you have considered. And so I don't think you're completely disqualified for not being able to consider the application. If you get to the position where you're going, actually, I think there is something that I need to have gone to the site and I can't put my hand up and approve this or I can't put my hand up and refuse it without going up the site, that's fair enough. But I don't, I don't think we're wasting 45 minutes, that's what I'm going to say, moving forward. And so I, I, would, I would stress members to carry on.
0: Councillor
1: Gerard. Madam Chair, thank you for indulging me I, I hear what you say I do think though that um, having been on the site inspection obviously this is my ward but I think most of the people I think feel and I'm, I might be wrong that we, we, we should hear this I don't think this would I don't think we would be incapable of coming to a decision on this but I will obviously let other people speak but I, I think we should do this I, I don't see any reason why we should defer. Oh
0: no, thank you Thank you. Councillor Lachlan, Sorry, one, I know I'm a pain.
13: I know I've always been a pain. But the thing is, if somebody's sick and they can't make the site visit one morning, but they can make the meeting, I mean, we have other ways. We have the officer's report. And, in fact, previous committees, some people have never bothered to turn up to site visits because they think they know the district so well. And I won't name any names. So it would preclude... It could preclude people from making a decision when they haven't been able to make the site visit, but they have other means to judge. So that's all I'm saying. That may be right, that may be wrong. I don't know. Perhaps Elizabeth, as a legal officer, may enlighten us.
6: There is no mandatory requirement for there to be a site inspection by members of a planning committee. It is desirable and sometimes can be extremely helpful, but it's not mandatory. Thank
0: you. Um, we're not supposed to be having this, discuss- Councillor Pavad, and this is the last one I'll take. Thank you.
15: Thank you, Chair. Um, from what I saw at the site, um, albeit from the exterior no. side, so
8: we've got to hear no. the speakers first. Sorry? Speakers first. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought you you had an no, we no. We had
0: No, this is this is what's got confusing now. No, thank you
8: excuse despair. me but, no no but I should also add that it was the right moment for Councillor Bagnall to raise yes, that as an issue
6: yes. <laughs> yes if I can confirm Madam Chair this was essentially a point of order and it's now been addressed thank you thank you
0: so going back to where we were um, we have three speakers Councillor Halgreaves, um Judy Emanuel from Newport Parish Council and Peter Stocking Who's the agent? So, Councillor Hargreaves, first of all. Oh, sorry. No, I didn't know. Sorry. Hello. Right, Judy Emanuel.
7: Right, mm. Thank Parish you very counsel. much. Right. Is this on? No. Okay. So, um, I hope it's okay. I didn't have access to a memory stick to bring along the um, the map in electronic form. So, I was, I was hoping that you would indulge me and, and let me um, show you the map in paper form. So, I've handed out copies Um, If you you feel that's inappropriate, I'm I'm very sorry. Okay, so... The principles of, of development on this site was established by the approval in 2016 for 11 houses. The question, therefore, is not whether to allow development here, but to determine what volume and form is appropriate. The Brickett site is at a prominent location at the development limits for the village and any permission for this site should consider the visual amenity of its countryside setting. The transition from open countryside to the built environment is an important characteristic of a traditional linear settlement such as Newport. This proposal is a marked departure from the style and scale of existing development. The buildings are two-storey and so close together that undercrofts are required for the development to adhere to parking regulations. Although the plot size of this proposal is approximately one hectare, the usable area, because it is very close to the M11, is only 0.72 hectares. The housing density for the developed area is therefore higher than 20 dwellings per hectare, which is above that recommended in the Essex design guide. Both the emerging local and neighbourhood plans give strong weight to the design guide, which says, the correct context for detached and semi-detached houses is at densities of less than 20 dwellings per hectare. The high density combined with the undercroft parking is more suited to an urban environment and is not appropriate for a rural village. This proposal is also significantly larger and deeper development than those along the rest of London Road. The rear building line was maintained in the 11-house plan, which you'll see at the front of the pack, but is now totally lost in the 20-house proposal. The front of the new houses would be level with the rear of the existing building line. We're therefore concerned that the approach to the village from the south would appear as a large suburbanisation of our rural settlement. The existing dwelling on the Brickett site is a bungalow, as are most of the properties on the south side of the Spinney. The roof levels are consistent with each other and low level throughout. All of the properties as you progress along London Road are either bungalows or detached dwellings set back from the road, increasing in scale as you move closer to the village centre. In the 11-house proposal, the new properties are separated from the spinney by the road within the site, resulting in a significantly lower likelihood of overlooking and overbearing. In the 20-house proposal, there is one bungalow. The rest are all two-storey properties, some of which back directly onto the existing bungalows. Whilst the developer may have adhered adhered to building standards in terms of windows overlooking the spinney, the issue remains that the scale and mass of the buildings in such close proximity to the bungalows will be overbearing, particularly for those living in 4A, the spinney, who would be hemmed in on both sides of their garden by two-storey houses. This is contrary to Gen 2 of the Local Plan and Policy D1 of the Emerging Local Plan, which states, proposals for new development should seek to optimise the capacity of the site by responding appropriately to the scale, character and grain of the existing built form. Also that proposals for new development should demonstrate how they respond to and enhance the amenity value of an area through considerations of matters such as overlooking natural light, microclimate outlook and amenity space. It should also be noted that the developer of this site retains an option to develop the other half of the plot. New Bush Parish Council are concerned that permitting the housing density proposed will set an unacceptable precedent for yet another large high-density estate distant from all village facilities. Looking at Newport more broadly, in the emerging local plan, 344 dwellings were planned for all of the key villages in Artilsford. Newport was allocated 94 of these. In fact, since 2011, permissions have been granted for a further 522 dwellings in Newport. This has already caused harm to the village's identified nature, character, and location. Permitting further speculative development without a clearly defined need for these additional properties is unnecessary and inappropriate. The map shows the extent of recent development in Newport. Blue indicates the extent of the village in 2011, yellow is the permitted development, and red is the appeal sites. Since 2011, 169 additional affordable or social housing properties have been permitted in Newport. While additional social housing would be beneficial, it is not critical in, in the scale of that already permitted, or sufficient to offset the high density and mass of this development, which would represent overdevelopment of the site. In conclusion, this proposal would have an unnecessarily high adverse impact, both in terms of landscape character for the entry to the village, and particularly to those living in the spinney through the scale and mass of the proposed development. The increase in social housing provision is not sufficient to warrant the increase in density, and the precedent that this would set for the adjoining plot of land would be unacceptable. Finally, it's worth noting that as part of a recent appeal decision in Newport, the inspector observed the following points regarding the recent development of Wick and Lee. Owing to its urban form and materials, this development appears as a disjointed protrusion into the rural landscape and displays little integration with the rest of the village. Its incongruity serves to emphasise my concerns at the sensitivity of the landscape to change and the harm that can be created by modern development that fails to integrate into its surroundings. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Councillor Hargreaves?
16: Um, first, uh, an announcement, please. Um, I am chair of the Newport and Rickling Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, and yesterday the plan started its final consultation. So, this means that the legal and compliance requirements uh, have been met as far as UDC and statutory consultees are concerned. Uh, we have appointed an examiner, and the examination will begin in November. Uh, The plan and its supporting evidence, including site assessments, are on the UDC website. This means that the plan carries weight in planning decisions. Uh, The plan assessed the adjoining site to the south of this application. It was put forward in the local plan call for sites. It was rejected, but our plan process was to reconsider all rejected sites. So the neighbourhood plan reconfirmed the local plan decision, but it added considerations of neighbourhood plan policies to put more specifics onto the UDC assessments now the application site was not considered in the neighbourhood plan because it already had permission and it was reasonably expected it would be built as permitted so no point wasting time on that uh, at the time it was not envisaged uh, that it would come back for twice the number of houses or 11 going up to 20 nearly twice the number of houses much greater density Uh, Therefore, building on this site is accepted in the neighbourhood plan. The increased number is not, and so the reasons for excluding the adjoining site also apply to this site. The main relevant policy is NQR HA1, that is called Coherence of the Villages. One of the purposes of this policy is to address the impact of the linear layout of Newport. Uh, The built environment is currently all the way along the main road, 2.2 kilometres from top to bottom. On these maps you can see basically a long strip. Brickets is the very bottom one. Um, And the planned site assessments use the criteria for distance facilities and services considered to be poorly located if they are greater than 800 metres. The relevant text in the policy says, in order to retain the coherence of the villages uh, and reduce dependence on travel by car including vehicle journeys starting and finishing in Newport uh, developments of s- sites within the Newport development limits will be supported if of a scale and setting relating well to the village with good vehicle access and where safe convenient pedestrian and cycle access is in place providing good connectivity from residential areas to the village centre and the railway station and bus stops uh, to avoid Internal vehicle journeys, further developments along the B1383 beyond the development limits north or south of the villages will not be supported. policy carries on to talk about other things. Um, that 800 metres cut off, that was used by the planning consultants ACOM. Remember them. It's been accepted in other uh, neighbourhood plans. So everything from this site is over 800 metres uh, from the site, apart from the bus stops, and that's one service hourly, not on Sundays, not in the evenings. The road carries uh, 90,000 vehicles a week. It is an unpleasant walk along that busy road and there is no cycleway. Residents would get in their cars. and So the top end of the village is two kilometres away. Um, A word on design. The London street scene, the bit you'll see on the right-hand side of the diagram up there, that would be a terrace. I think it's three and then two, or four and then two. Um, A terrace should not be the first thing you see at the rural entrance to a village. It should start with the individual houses, probably low height, as we currently have, set back in gardens. This design urbanises the rural extremity of the village. It's inappropriate. So this application fails neighbourhood policy, HA1, on scale, on setting, and on distance from facilities. Uh, One other matter... Speed limits, neighbourhood plan policy TR1 says that in these circumstances we should be moving the speed limit out. Currently the 30 limit starts just at the site entrance, just outside the site entrance. We know what that means. That means they'll be doing a lot more than 30 at that point. Um, The parish council would like the speed limit moved. The neighbourhood plan says it should be moved and the applicant is happy to move it sort out moving the speed limit. Happy alignment of everyone. And what's the problem? You guessed it. Essex highways are the problem. Essex highways say, oh, well, we might have to move the speed limit sign anyway because it's blocking view. Um, But it's not really compliant moving the 30 limit out in these circumstances. Now, that's in their Essex speed management strategy. I've read that document. They're interpreting it wrongly. Um... They've got a thing that says uh, 30 is the standard limit in built-up areas with development on both sides of the road. That's fine, but it doesn't say you can't have it somewhere else. It just says if you have that, yes, you will have a 30 limit. Uh, we've got 30 limits, just been agreed, uh, extensions north of the village, south of Quendon, development on one side of the road. So. Trying to say we don't want a speed limit because of that is, is, is Tosh. And the other part of their the document says village speed limits should be cited to give a clear visual message to drivers that they're entering the village. For example, within sight. That's a sign should be within sight of the first property. So that'll be hundreds of yards out from where it currently is. Now uh, the officer, our officer, Mr. Mills, has done his best in getting a condition in here, because Essex Highways are not. The, the, the same will think about it so it's condition 12 but he's had to word it as any necessary relocation um, I don't know whether if you are meant, managed to approve this whether we can, it is possible to harden that up but my experience is that developers are quite happy to be nice when they want something but if you don't actually have the thing codified nailed down now they will fund this when it comes back later they may just um, say well uh, sorry not I'm busy today, I'm not going to talk to you. Um, so I will leave that one with you, but this one I think is, is it's, its filling this site too much, it's too far, it's urbanising the external part of the village uh, and it sets precedent for the uh, plot next door. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Councillor Hargreaves. He actually does have 50 minutes. Yeah, I've right. lost, lost it, there we go. Oh, Mr Stocking.
17: Firstly, can I apologise for the um, breakdown in communication this morning um, and the lack of access? After two years working on this, then to not open the gate to let you in um, is um, not the best policy. And I apologise. It was a genuine lack of misunderstanding or lack of communication. And um, obviously, you're welcome there any time. So, to start, good afternoon. Thank you for the time. Um, I'm Peter Stocking. I'm Managing Director of Enterprise Residential Developments. We are the owners of the land uh, known as briquettes, but I would just clarify we are not the owners of the southern part, which is is rightly so under an option, but that was due to discussions that were had just before the local plan was um, um, submitted, um, and obviously subsequently that parcel of land was removed, and hence why that option was there. But just to clarify that... Uh, We are developers of small bespoke residential schemes based locally in in Whittlesford. We've had commitment to this area for the last 25 years and we've recently completed four other schemes in the Uttlesford District. The site has the benefit of outline planning, as you know, permission uh, for 11 units of which 20%, two units, are allocated for affordable. The site is also included with the emerging local plan and consequently, as is acknowledged, this site will be developed for housing in some form or other. The indicative sketch prompted by the original landowners that formed part of the outline planning application shows a scheme comprising nine nine large to very large open market houses alongside two small affordable houses. Knowing the local market as we do and acknowledging the constraints of the site, it is our professional opinion clear that the scheme proposed by the outline application did not represent the most appropriate solution for the site. We have therefore, therefore proposed an alternative scheme which includes a larger overall number of units but ensures that these units are appropriate for the site, the market and we believe the village as well. The proposal before you is for 20 units but it comprises two and three bedroom homes, one of which is a bungalow, up to a maximum individual size unit size of about 1,600 square feet with values set accordingly. Although the number of units has increased by nine, the actual area of built form has increased by only 25%. Of that 25%, only 5% relates to open market units, with the balance of 20% relating to additional affordable units. Of the nine additional units proposed, six will be affordable. This increases the total number of affordable units from two to eight and now reflects a fully compliant policy-compliant 40% in lieu of the 20% at the outline stage. These figures hopefully dispel any suggestion that our motives for this new planning application are about increased profit for the scheme and make it clear, I hope, that the motivation is to avoid building something that is inappropriate for the location, with the housing values that are more affordable, anyway at housing team have confirmed that the proposed affordable units are acceptable in terms of size and tenure and that there remains a a need for them in this location. We are in discussion with the housing team about the potential for Uttles to to acquire these units. We would also reassure um, the parish council um, that we take the question of sustainability seriously, as with our other projects, and we will be looking to improve on this standard levels of requirements, including, as has been mentioned, the provision of such things as electrical charging points. We note the the Parish Council have also raised the point about the planning history for the site. They highlighted that prior to our involvement, an application for 25 units was submitted on the land covered by this application, as well as the adjacent paddock land. This application, as I mentioned earlier, was subsequently withdrawn following discussion with Uttersworth's planning team, despite the pressures caused by the lack of five-year housing land supply, and is no longer included in the emerging local plan. So uh, the issue of precedent, we, you know, that's I guess that's superseded by the, the plan and everything on its own merits. As a point of interest, as part of our original application, in agreement with the proposed uh, proposals from Uttlesford Housing Team, a reduced 20% allocation of affordable units was was included, based on those um, based on those units being adapted for people with specific needs. This was something that the housing department was keen to promote. With the cost of providing these specialised units being considerably greater than the standard affordable housing, the consideration was that the loss of four standard units would be offset by the major benefit of providing the adapted homes. Ultimately, however... The question of whether the cost of the additional four affordable units equated to the, to the value, as I call it, of, to the community, of providing these specialised units, and it was not considered strong enough reason to depart from the strict, strict adherence to policy, and consequently, our application was revised back to providing the compliant number of standard affordable units. This does seem to be an opportunity missed, and perhaps something to consider for the future. However, we remain keen to look at ways of providing assistance, perhaps allocating two dwellings in com- in, to accommodate special features, and we would welcome further discussions uh, on this regard with our housing and planning teams. Since submission of the application in July 2018, we have worked closely with the Uthlsford planning and housing teams. We've engaged imme- with the immediate neighbours to agree sp- solutions to specific requests where we can, We have presented to the parish council and their representative working group on two occasions and we have at all times endeavoured to be flexible in an attempt to provide the appropriate solution for this important edge of village site. Regarding this important point which was mentioned earlier with the site being on the edge of the village, um, hopefully you've seen from your site visit earlier today, or visit to the site, that the, emerging, the existing hedging along B1383 provides a significant degree of screening of the site from the main road, and the landscaping to be agreed as a condition to any approval will only help to enhance this. We believe this should address the parish councils' and obviously your concerns about the visual impact on approaching the village from the south. We note the comments made by Councillor Hargroves about the extension of the 30 mile an hour zone, and would be happy to work with the parish council and anyone else to address and the, the, the issue with county highways. As I mentioned earlier, this site has the principle of development established; it is now a matter of extent and appropriateness, and delivery. And I hope that you will note that the points we have, I hope you note the points we have made here. With an approval today, we can proceed to, these twi- to deliver these 20 units over the next 15 to 18 months, employing our in-house construction team and providing contribution to the much-needed housing uh, housing numbers in the district. Just to conclude, if I may, I would just like to emphasise the amount of time and effort that goes into getting an application for 20 houses to this point in the proceedings. Um, We always endeavour to do the right thing as a company and engage with as many people who want to be engaged with. In the last two years, since, uh, well, since we got involved, we've done the survey work. We've had consultants engaged. They deal with all the detailed design. That work that then goes to the council's consultants. It's critiqued. There's discussion going backwards and forwards between the consultants. And ultimately, they arrive at solutions which, as is reported in the um, the officer's report, there is a solution to all of these issues that have been raised. We've we've also been liaising with the neighbours. We've engaged with all the neighbours in the spinny, Some have responded, and those that have, we've we've met. We've dealt with their particular um, issues, queries, and have agreed in some situations about how we deal with with the hedging, how we deal with the trees, how we improve their sunlight into their gardens. They seem content with that. I know one of the neighbours is concerned about overlooking, but that, I believe, is addressed by the more technical issues of of the sections. We've liaised with the housing team, uh, read the proposals for adapted units, and then we've gone back to the standard units, and we've agreed the mix, the tenure, and indeed the need for those, those units. So, all of this is then concluded in, in the report that you have before you with, with a rec- recommendation for approval. We do have some sympathy with the Parish Council, and we're very aware that, that um, Newport has you know, got a lot of development and <laughs> presentations for development, applications for development ongoing. We do have sympathy, but as I've heard in this chamber many times, each scheme has to be dealt with on its own merits. And hopefully when we look at this one, we can see a scheme that has been vetted technically, has had very little adverse comment about this, the scheme itself, about the design of the scheme itself. It's very sustainable location and provides eight affordable houses, and by virtue of the what we've done with the proposal, more affordable houses of more affordable values. Um, and that's all before we need to even talk about the, the number of housing the five-year land supply and that sort of is- those sort of issues so if I may just conclude and say thank you for your time and um, look forward to discussion <laughs> thank you very much uh, no.
18: thank
0: you very much Mr. stalking I'll open it up, Councillor Gerard.
1: Thank you, Chair. Um, First of all, can we just point of of accuracy in page 55, item 9.15? I do believe that Councillor Hargreaves is not correct when it says no objections. I thought I heard him object to this application. Um, If we can just make sure that that is corrected, because uh, it appears that from the notes that he has no objections. Right. I am obviously the other ward councillor. I am the other. Would you?
0: <laughs> would you like to say something about that? Previously, my objection I made now was because I just seen
16: the terrace at the first time ever. It looks like previously it was a case of having
0: a speed limit objection. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank. Thank you very. Thank you very much. So my co-councillor my co-ward councillor basically objects. Um, yes, as I said before, as, as I've, I've declared, this is in my ward. I am um, also on the neighbourhood plan steering group, um, and as I have also declared, this is I am on the parish council, though I have not been involved in this application at all. Um, there are benefits here. I mean, there is an, there is a, a, a principle of development that has been been a, agreed. Uh, it was approved in 2016 for. 11 houses, two affordables. It adds to our supply. Um, We, however, are now looking at something else. We're not looking at what was approved and expires in November. We're looking at the the same site, but with 20 units. Um, Now, we do have this in our emerging local plan, for 11, not 20. Um, The density, I would argue, is a factor here. I think that putting 20 houses on 0.75 of a hectare built area is, is, is dense. I think it really is dense. If this was in a different location, I think that the applicant has done a wonderful job But it's not in a different location. This is a a green, essentially adjacent to the entrance to Newport from green open countryside coming from Quendon and Rickling. It's the first thing you see as you drive into rural Newport. This site on the left-hand side, currently a lovely bungalow in a rural setting. To put in this proposal with 20 houses of this density facing onto the London Road, which is the entrance into Newport, I believe is absolutely unacceptable. I do not believe it it complies with our policy. We have a policy in our local plan, Gen 2. It does not comply with Gen 2. It does not comply with the emerging neighbourhood plan which was Reg 16 yesterday. We know that it carries some weight, not a lot, but some. H A one as we've heard, it does not comply with that policy. It is over 800 metres from any amenities at all. There is no, um, there is no uh, amenity within 800 metres for anyone to, to actually use. We're replacing a bungalow with essentially 19 two-storey houses and a bungalow. The properties adjacent, the spinney, are predominantly bungalows with a couple of two-storey houses. It's not in keeping with even its neighbour, let alone the rest of the entrance into Newport, which is predominantly bungalows. I could go on and on and on about Newport and the situation that we're in, about the fact that we are facing still 500 houses yet to be built, adding to our supply. We have done a you know, neighbourhood plan. We know what people want. We do not need any more, any more homes in Newport, although the district obviously does not supply. For affordables, again, we do, Newport does not need them. Hasto Development took care of that beautifully. More of that, please. But in this location, I'm afraid... If we were presented with the original application of 11 houses here, which were predominantly bungalows, I'd say, "Yep, maybe we can find a way through here." But I cannot. I cannot see a way in which this is sustainable by any means, and it's contrary to policy. So I'm afraid I have to go straight to the proposal, my proposal, to refuse this on the grounds of Gen 2, on the grounds of emerging policy uh, D1. Neighbourhood plan policy HA1. And obviously, there is the speed issue outside. There's a 50 mile an hour speed issue, 50 30, depending which way you're coming from. So, also TR1.
0: Councillor Pavitt.
1: Thank you, Chair. When I attempted
15: to hijack the (laughs) event, I was going to remark that uh, despite not actually being on the site, looking at it from the road, I just don't see how this can be a suitable development on the outskirts of Newport. Um, I I draw everybody's attention to Thorpe Lee in Great Chesterford, ironically by the same developer, um, where the roof line looks like a prison block and it's right on the outskirts as you approach the village. It's extended the village visual line, effectively. Uh, Whilst the houses themselves are very attractive... Um, the layout, the density brings to mind what's going to happen here. You're going to have visual sight lines of roof lines. They're going to be effectively urban in view, right on the outskirts of the village. And that is that is my principal concern. I think it reflects probably a, uh, Councillor Gerard's as well.
0: Councillor Fairhurst.
2: Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, yes, it's one of those things. Um, I think we're all happy to hear that there are going to be more affordable houses. Um, certainly two wouldn't have been sufficient. And then, of course, the question is, are they, is this the right place for those affordable houses? But has, one has to consider that, because they're always good. But I think, unfortunately, I would have to tend to, to agree with what's been said. Density, layout, and character of, of village would tend me to, to feel that this is just... Two houses too many. I think, quite honestly, I think it would be a little bit ambitious to expect to come back with 11 houses, 11 bungalows as they were before, but perhaps if it had even been 14 or 15, we may feel more comfortable with it. Twenty on 0.7 hectares to, is too dense. So I would have, be happy to subsecond 2nd the, the motion for refusal on this.
0: Councillor Lachlan and then Councillor Lillacount.
13: Mm. This is a dilemma, <laughs> a, a real dilemma. Because um, we're being given eight affordable houses. I may not like this, but I'm rather afraid. I mean, there are no objections. Uh, it's in the countryside, so we could argue S7. Um, and obviously the parish council don't like it. But um, there have been no objections from any of the, um, what would you know, from environment, highways. And I really do believe that if this goes to appeal, it would win we don't have a five year land supply uh, we don't have a, a surfeit of affordable homes and whatever my and your opinion may be and we may not like it I really do believe that, that I cannot actually find a reason to refuse this and um, I yeah, I'm worried about the air quality because it's very close to the motorway and it's very close to the M11 which, uh, not the M11, the uh, B1383, which actually does get very congested and if you've ever been stuck in traffic through Newport you'll know what I mean, you know, because the engines are going and the traffic's at the so I do have worries about that but I don't think that's going to be enough to save this appeal so I may have to be a coward and, and abstain. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I may have to uh, go for approval, because I, I actually can't find a sufficient reason, although I'd like to to refuse it. So that's my I, opinion, sorry.
0: Actually, actually, I think the M11's at the back of it. Yeah, so oh, yeah, sorry, and did I you say then I corrected myself and said yeah, the
13: yeah. B1383, because you're in between a rock and so a hard place, to, if you like. Yeah. But I don't think there's ever been an air quality monitor Put there, but so the local member may be able to say that. But environmental health don't seem to think that's a problem, so that's a worry. I'll
0: move, move, I'll move along the, the table there. Councillor Keaton, did you want to speak? You? Sorry.
14: <laughs> okay, I, I was uh, going to confess to be uh, in the minority on this committee because I actually think, just like Councillor Lockin, that this is a very marginal decision. There are some social benefits from this development in the form of uh, affordable housing. Newport itself may not require any more affordable housing, but I'm sure that Uttlesford as a district does require uh, more affordable housing. I'm sure there are people in Saffron Warden who would uh, jump at a uh, offer of a house in, Saffron, uh, in Newport. Um, I have to say, uh, I am not. I accept that it will change the uh, approach into Newport um, from the north. Uh, living in Stansted I go that way quite frequently. But I have to say that I think it might be a bit overstated because the first house on the Spinney development is a second storey. Um, uh, is a two-story house and therefore it isn't as soft uh, it will only if this site is developed it it will replace a fairly hard entry into the village with another hard entry into the village Um, and uh, you know I do think that we have got a responsibility because we got a a shortage of our five-year land supply to actually bite the bullet on occasions. We do seem to have great reluctance in biting that bullet because if we don't develop in certain locations, there will be other locations that come up which will be even more unsatisfactory. And I'm afraid that this one has an access onto the B1383. It me I accept totally that the speed limit needs to be uh, changed um, but I don't see that as a reason why we should, be, should, should uh, not approve this application so I shall be uh, supporting the application
0: okay, the count.
3: Can, I concur, can I concur with uh, Councillor Gerard in, in actual fact the fact is the previous proposal was much more acceptable, much much more acceptable, and the fact is actually looks better, even though we didn't get down to the site. Because I'd love to see what that looks like from the back, because it looks like barracks, to be honest, and I think it hasn't got any uh, any good sense of, of design. The other thing, basically, is that that particular road is very dangerous. And until that speed limit is actually reduced to 30, coming 20 houses out of that just one drive, I find that fascinating. So I will be actually, su- actually supporting a refusal, <coughs> uh, but I like the, I like the original proposal.
0: Thank you, you Councillor Account, Councillor Freeman.
3: Yes, the uh, officer presenting
12: this was quite sparing in the very brief in the presentation. Can we see the elevations, please? So just to be sure, uh, the top ones on that diagram, uh, uh, are they at the very back of the site? Uh, where on the site do they
9: go? Uh, yes, those ones are.
12: Right, okay. Yeah,
9: those ones are at the top or at the rear of the site. And just to
12: be sure what I'm looking at, I mean, what I see yeah, is sure. a, a sort of uh, a two, or two two-and-a-half-storey house on the left and then a, a semi-detached and then another semi-detached. Uh, are they all linked up as one large building, basically? Uh, there's a roof yes, line. Yes, that's right.
9: They've got yeah. the um, Undercroft parking in between. So there's one roof line.
12: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I take the point that we don't have a, Do we have a long sight? and maybe it's the one on the bottom, of what this would look like on the approach to the village? Because it is an approach to the village. You don't really notice the motorway when you drive in. You sort of drive over it. And this would be the first thing that you see. So do we have a view of the approach to the village once this is built out?
9: No, we don't, we don't have a, a 3D view or visualisation or anything like that. But, I mean, the, the image at the bottom, that's the street scene on um, London Road there. So, and then you can see it's quite okay. faint. But next door, that's the existing building off the Spinney. So they're the ones you'll see from the road.
0: Councillor
15: So the top line there is what is at the back of the site, which is actually elevated it's because the whole site slopes upwards. So as you drive into Newport, on your left, you're looking up, and you've got that as the site line, on, basically on the, on the horizon, um, which is comparable to the problem that's happened in Great Chester. You know, with, with the pressure for the need for affordable houses, density has increased um, the question of affordable, of course, is a matter of judgement. But because of this pressure of affordable, we start to be pressured to accept designs and sites that are not optimum in terms of buying quality. And I'm not quite sure that's the right thing that should be happening, particularly in sensitive sites on the outskirts of the village. Go and have a look at Thorpe you Now, Individually, the houses are very nice. But because of the need to densify and to develop, to deliver affordable, so-called affordable housing, we end up with this kind of regimental roof line that extends right across the site at the front. Um, and it's not until you get down to the lower end of the site, because that site's on the slope as well, that you get a more, a more conventional and dispersed roof line. So, I mean, I would be very concerned about people on reflection going, oh, why did we allow that to happen?
8: Um, Chairman, can I just ask Luke a question? Can, which one of those views is the view when you're going in to Newport... From from Stansted.
9: Maybe the... So if the so the middle ones here, yeah, they face into the site. If I just flick to the site layout plan, yeah.
8: so
9: they're right. those ones. Yeah, and so you yeah. so see the back of those ones.
8: Um, and, and, and you know, I'm not I'm not going to say very much here. Could could just flip forward back to the site plan again? Sorry, that one. Obviously, members. This is not, you're not just going to see wallop, you're going to see those properties. Obviously members need to make their own judgement, members have visited the site, but it is not a complete hard-edged view of just seeing those properties. There is a, there is green landscaping on the approach, to, so it's not like you're going over, you're coming along the hill and suddenly you see them. So members just need to be mindful of the context of what you're seeing. I'm not going to lead you either way on that one because you know you've seen it, and so you can make your own judgment on it. But that's the view that you're you're, you're looking at. But you need to make it clear that there is green landscaping. It's not hiding it, but it's assimilating it into the into the into the into the entrance of the
1: village. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, okay. Well, what we're looking at, we're not looking at reserve matters here. This is this is a new application. This is not reserve matters. This is a new application. So let's just consider the matter that Councillor Loughlin raised. Actually, we've got a good point here. S7 is quite relevant here. Just three weeks ago, we had the 150 houses appeal rejected by inspector in Newport, not far from this site. S7 was the key determining factor outside of development limits affecting the countryside and affecting the beauty and our landscape. Now, it's obviously a different location here, but this is... Actually, an S7 issue too, um, but I think you know one could argue S7 on a fresh application. However, I, I actually don't want to do that. But one could do if one was was looking at defending this as appeal, one could do. But actually, the principle of development has been established here, and it is in our local plan. So it's not something I, I, I want to do, but we certainly could do. The point is is that we we have a, a, a live. A planning permission, in effect, we have for 11 houses in this location, and it's in the local plan. And as the the neighbourhood plan steering group had no problem with it, that's why it's not even dealt with in the neighbourhood plan because it's in the emerging local plan. But what we have here is very, very different. Now, let's just, if, if I may, chair, go through in a bit more detail the reasons that. Not a question of we don't like it, I don't like it, or anyone else doesn't like it. There is, we are here as a planning committee. We look at planning planning policy. No, 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 I'm looking at everyone laterally. It's probably my eyes. Um, so, Councillor Fairhurst. Um, um, but basically, look, we, 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 we have various things. I'm not going to label the point, but we are, we are in a rural setting, OK? There are issues here which have been raised by parish council regarding the building line of this development versus the Spinney. There are issues with noise. we were not able to go onto the site, but you are only a couple of hundred yards away from the M11. In fact, you're a couple of yards away from the longest stretch of, of motorway, junction to junction, in the country. And when there's an accident on that, I promise you, it not only yes. stops, but all the traffic comes past this access to try to get from one junction to the other. So let's just park that for a moment. Apart from the noise factor, which basically is an issue, and this does not comply with noise standards. um, The density is an issue too. This is a high density, and it is a matter of density standards. This is 20 houses on less than one hectare. We have an issue of overlooking. We have an issue of scale and mass. There are uh, issues of, of, of safety here on London Road, not just vehicular safety, but pedestrian safety. We have issues of access to amenity beyond the 800-meter threshold. Um, what else have we got? There are drainage issues, sewage issues, and there are um, various housing mix issues. The point I'm trying to make is, is that this is not just a matter of it's not liked. It actually does not comply with s- substantial policy. It doesn't comply with Gen 2. It doesn't comply with D1. And it certainly doesn't comply with S7. So I want to reiterate that those are, I think, really important factors. And, yes, we go into the tilt of balance. We say, you know what, let's weigh it all up. But I, I say that the, the, the 20 houses added to our supply of houses, eight houses, affordable houses, wonderful. Yes, put it in the, in the plus column. But I do feel that on balance, we look at the tilter balance as any inspector would, that do the benefits outweigh the harms, in my opinion, the harms substantially outweigh the benefits, and therefore that's why I proposed the motion to refuse.
0: Councillor Bagnall.
1: Uh, I've just got a, uh,
4: an observation here, which is I'm, I'm aware that there was a previous application that was approved for the 11 houses. And I'm sitting here wondering, well, why haven't these been built? So it's three years old, this application. And I'm thinking, well, why haven't these been built? And now why am I looking at a 20-house application? And I am looking at the, the agent. Sorry. Um, I don't expect you to respond. But that is a question in my head, which is... No, I don't think that's the process. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's probably more a rhetorical question. So, um, yeah, so that's something we have to consider as well. So it sounds like Newport, as a, as a parish, have accepted the 11. And they think that's doable, uh, and they've adopted that within their neighbourhood plan. And that does give us the additional affordable housing. It doesn't solve all our problems, but it does give us something. Uh, And I think it's also important to note that when we talk about our housing supply, all the government figures and everything are about houses in general. They're not about affordable housing. So we have a percentage of affordable housing, but every time we get beaten up at an appeal, it's based on a number not the affordable element. So um, I, I have to support a lot of my colleagues around the table uh, and I think the, the harm of this 20-house development far outweighs any benefit. And I think, really, someone ought to be going back to the original application for the 11 uh, and making best use of that because I think the design is better as well and it's more aesthetic as you come into Newport. So I wasn't on the site visit but I travel that route quite often, so I do know it.
8: Just just to confirm, I wasn't criticising Council Pagnell for me, making the decision. No, no fine. Council Fair has had a legitimate reason for not being there as well, uh, but just that was just highlighted the fact that you don't need to be there to make a decision. That's all I was saying.
0: We'll take this as the last one, and we'll go to, to the board. very briefly,
12: Madam Chairman, and thank you for letting me come back. But I agree with the last speaker. I mean, there's consent for 11 houses. It's been sitting there, making up part of their... Uh, land supply I agree Uh, it's consented houses 11 of them and they haven't been built in 3 years so why did not the owner get on and do it and now come back with uh, a carrot we'll make the full amount of affordable houses uh, we'll give you uh, provided they're 20 I, I think the original plan would have been much more in keeping with the approach to a village that's certainly my view and in a way it's a shame they haven't been built
0: Thank you Councillor Freeman OK, we'll go to the vote. Clarify, to
8: can I just clarify Councillor Gerrard's reasons? You're going for Gen 2, uh, yes. which is fine. You know, obviously, you can do that because it's, it's on... You're not adding S7. And and obviously, I'm going to be boring about the neighbourhood plan, like I always am. I don't want this to be a decision on the neighbourhood plan. I'm advising you not to include the neighbourhood plan, but if you want to include it, I mean, that it, well, that's well, a question.
1: If I may, Chair, I do believe the neighbourhood plan, having gone to Regulation 16 yesterday in my opinion in in my yeah in my judgement i should say rather than opinion in my judgement uh, the neighbourhood plan does carry weight and i'd like that weight to be put in the form of nqr ha1 i
8: wouldn't go as far as saying the policies i would say in light with the general because there there, okay. there's not just the policy, I'm not dissing the policies, but there's a general theme on the neighbourhood plan in general context.
1: I would like the neighbourhood plan to be in there. So place. if you say it in line with the emerging neighbourhood in plan. In line, yes, yeah, exactly, say, yeah.
8: would, I'm happy with that.
1: Thank you.
0: Very last one, Councillor Stora.
5: Thank you, Chair. It's just a, a question to the officers. If we're going to go for approval, could we also make a reference, could we, to the Essex design guide, would that be of any help at all to substantiate an approval? Do you, do you
1: mean approval? Refusal. I'm going for refusal. refusal. I mean refusal. <laughs> do I,
8: I don't think there's any question this doesn't comply with the Essex design guide, other than in terms of the design issue. I, don't, I think separation distances, garden sizes, is all compliant. So I, I would suggest not.
0: Therefore, Councillor um, Gerard proposed and Councillor Fairhurst, thank you, um, seconded. Therefore, um, we are taking this proposal to a vote and all those in favour of the proposal to refuse this application, can you vote, please? I'll look to refuse.
6: One... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thank you. So that that is all those, all those against, against? <laughs> one, two. I do have to count you both. Thank you. So that.
0: That application has been refused. Madam thank
12: Chairman, you. could we have a five-minute break, perhaps? Thank you.
0: Exactly what I was about to say, and it's ten to four now. So five minutes. If we're we'll back just at, um, back at five to four on that clock, thank you.
19: Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold 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 your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
0: Councillor LeCount, thank you. That's okay, we've lost lost Councillor Pabbitt. there we go. Here he is. Oh. And you didn't bring one for me? God, he doesn't care. doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring one for me?
20: <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Oh, I'm only joking. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Take it away. Now I'm embarrassed. Now you've embarrassed me. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, dear. dear. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Stop with the giggles. Okay. Um, UTT 182297, Outline Planning Commission, land to the north of Vigier Avenue in Saffron Walden. And it is... I've lost it. It's Chris Tyler. Thank you very much, Chris.
20: Thanks, Chair. This outline planning application is for all matters reserved except access for the proposed erection of up to 12 dwellings. The proposed access will be provided at two points from the newly constructed residential development to the south of the site. The development includes 40% affordable housing and a financial contribution to the Highways Authority. Uh, if the application is approved, the appearance, landscaping and layout and scale of the development will be considered in a subsequent uh, Reserve Matters application. The uh, 0.49 hectare site, as shown on the plan, is located to the northeast of De Vigier Avenue uh, and north to the recently constructed new residential development in Saffron Walden. The site comprises of a triangular plot consisting of trees, vegetation, set at a significantly higher uh, ground level. Two objections have been received from Neighbouring Properties, as set out in paragraph 10.2 of the report. The Town Council has objected in regards to a covenant on the site. However, this is not a material planning consideration in the assessment of the development. Uh, So this uh, plan represents an indicative site layout. However, these details will be considered in a Reserve Matters application uh, if this uh, outline application is approved today. The uh, site is outside the development limits, however, forms part of the allocation of development sites within Regulation 19 of the Emerging Local Plan. The assessment within the Emerging Local Plan Allocates the sites for up to 14 dwellings. The development is not considered to result in a harmful impact or encroachment onto the surrounding countryside area. Comments from the Council's Landscape Officer advises the proposed development will have little relationship with the outlining open landscape setting to the north of the site. Subject to design, uh, the development will be compatible with uh, the surrounding neighbouring properties. This photo demonstrates the development site prior to the construction of the neighbouring residential development. The red arrows indicate the access where uh, committee members visit today. No objections are uh, made by the Council's ecologist subject to the imposition uh, of mitigation conditions. No objections have been made by the Highways Authority subject to conditions and financial contribution as set out in the report. The site is not part of an air quality management area. Uh, It is considered the um, additional traffic will be relatively a small proportion. No objections or further recommendations have been made by the Council's environmental health officers. The following photos uh, just give uh, the uh, members who didn't attend the site today um, an idea of the character of the site. Uh, Taking into consideration the details set out in the committee report. The development is considered to be in accordance with both local and national planning policies. It's recommended for approval subject to conditions and a Section 106 agreement for affordable housing and highways contribution. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Thank you. We
0: have... Yes, we have speakers. We have speakers. We have, speakers. We have four speakers. Um... I'm going to take Councillor Stora first, so that he can speak, and then um, leave. Or oh, no, you can sit in the audience. Can he sit in the audience? No, you need to speak, over there. There. speak over there. over
6: there. Are you speaking today as a ward councillor or as an individual objector? As an individual objector. That is a personal interest, so we would appreciate it if you could withdraw. Following, saying you peace, please.
0: Yeah.
5: The redevelopment of the adjoining region site gave this Council an opportunity to consider the future of this land which it owns, and the potential for it to be sold and developed. In May 2017, the Cabinet resolved to dispose of it. In September of that year, the Cabinet considered a report on the objections received. Paragraph 15 of that report stated, Mr Storer makes a substantive point about the value of the current use of the land. He says the land is a discrete wildlife area for flora and fauna and the disposal and sale of this land would have such a serious adverse impact on this small enclave of natural environment that it would effectively be totally obliterated from the local area. The wiping away of natural wildlife habitat from this locality surely cannot be what the council is looking to achieve on behalf of its residents. But the Cabinet was not swayed by this or the other objections. And so you are here today to determine a planning application for the proposed development of this site. As the Planning Committee, you cannot overturn that decision of the Cabinet. But what you can, and indeed must do, is to determine the planning application in accordance with the proper planning process. What does that entail? Well, the district does not have a five-year housing land supply, as at March of this year it had only 3.29 years' worth, so this application has to be determined in accordance with the tilted balance. What are the benefits of the proposed development? It's to provide 12 houses. Now, nature conservation is the overriding issue in this instance. So what would be the adverse impacts of the development? Well, it's contrary to four policies of the adopted local plan. These are first policy S7, the countryside, because despite it being on the edge of town, the site is within the defined countryside in which planning permission will only be given for development that needs to take place there. Policy g 7 states... Development that would have a harmful effect on wildlife will not be permitted unless the need for the development outweighs the importance of the feature to nature conservation. The justification for policy ENV3, open spaces and trees, states there are open spaces of high environmental quality in many of the towns and villages. It goes on to say Sometimes the land may have been left in a state of untidiness, but nevertheless the existence of the space may be important to the character of the locality. Members, this is one such space. Policy ENV8, Other Landscape Elements of Importance for Nature Conservation, states development will only be permitted if the following criteria apply, first of which is the need for the development outweighs the need to retain the elements for their importance to wild, fauna, and flora. The average annual house requirement in this district, 723 dwellings. That's the equivalent to two per day. So the benefit of this development is that it would deliver just six days' worth of housing requirement. What you have to do is to determine whether the adverse impact of the loss of this small but nonetheless important area of natural wildlife habitat significantly and demonstrably outweighs the benefit of providing less than a week's worth of housing supply. Members, I think it does. and I hope that you agree. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Councillor Stora.
6: For the benefit of the audio record, Councillor Stora has left the chamber. Um,
0: Next speaker is Paula Stock.
21: Hi. Can I firstly just say those pictures are dreadful. It doesn't look like that at all. It's beautiful and green. The surveys carried out on this land that were questionable at the time back in 2017, some two years ago, and have been reviewed by Essex County Council Place Services after withholding permission for this application to go ahead on relevant matters until July this year. We notice there is no mention of badgers or bats using this land. A lot can change in two years, and indeed it has. Badgers have been seen using this area Bats use it for foraging and we can see no mention of the word badger on ECC documentation as it has been blacked out completely from it. The bat boxes that were placed on this land, one of which was even provided by a local councillor over three years ago, have been removed, by whom we are unsure but suspect this happened when UDC's workforce cut channels through the woodland to enable the survey to take place. We say removed as there is no sign of them at all even in what was cut down and left. There is talk of these 12 houses being needed for part of the five-year housing supply needs. With the amount of housing being built and to be built, we see no reason for these to be built on this small wildlife area and will certainly not bring UDC into breach of not fulfilling this need. We also would like to point out this land is owned by UDC, not regions, and should be treated as such in its own right, not lumped into another development as it has been. This area is, and for the majority of its existence, has always been an area used by wildlife. We're losing so many of these areas, and if you grant planning permission on this application, that's another one gone. We suggest to you, in making the decision on this application today, that you refuse this application. Formerly the Vigier Avenue Residence Group. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Mrs. Dock. Thank you.
21: Um, Anna, Anna, was there
0: somebody else, or was that instead of...? that name that was instead of right. okay thank you um, Councillor Gadd it's gone okay Um, Mr Belton Paul Belton
22: Thank you, Chair, and thank you for the opportunity to comment on this application. Um, I plan to keep my comments quite brief because I think the introduction by the case officer was was very detailed and thorough, so thank you for that. Um, The application site is shown located beyond the town boundary of Saffron Walden within the currently adopted local plan of 2005. That plan, as we know, is time-expired, and the preparation of a new local plan is now well-advanced. The hearing sessions for Stage 1 have now been completed. The emerging plan identifies a number of sites upon which housing is to be provided. The application site is one of these identified housing sites, with draft allocation SAF5 identifying the land as being available and suitable to deliver 14 dwellings. This application is seeking outline planning permission to erect up to 12 dwellings on the land. The reason we have sought permission for up to 12 dwellings as opposed to 14 referenced in the draft policy is because we are keen to maintain a meaningful buffer to the existing properties located to the south in Divisie Avenue. An illustrative master plan has been prepared and this shows that when the land has been cleared and levelled 12 dwellings can be provided in a respectful and sympathetic manner. Instead of using the right of access from Divisie Avenue both vehicular and pedestrian access into the site is to be provided via the former RIDGIN site located to the south-east. I was going to comment on the Town Council's remarks made in relation to the uh, legal covenant, but that's obviously been covered and it's been confirmed that it's not relevant to the consideration of this application. I shan't add any more to that other than to say there is no legal uh, restriction preventing development from coming forward on this land. All other statutory consultees have raised no objection to the proposal, and there are no technical objections to this application. As you've heard, two letters of objection from local residents have been received, and I thought it might be helpful to provide the applicants further observations to some of those points made. Concerns have been raised both in writing and, as you've heard this morning, uh, this afternoon, rather, in relation to the biodiversity of the site. This application has been um, with the Council for determination for quite some time, and I think a lot of those... Months that have passed have been because of the ongoing discussions that we've had with Essex County Council on the subject of ecological surveys. A full suite of ecological surveys have been undertaken, and as a result of these surveys, it has been agreed that a medium population of reptiles that are present on the site shall be translocated to the existing and already curated reptile receptor site that is located to the rear of the former Ridgian site. There are also areas of calcareous grasslands similar to what we found on Ridgens. This is also to be relocated to the banks of the adjacent site. Subject to these mitigation measures being implemented, both of which are to be secured by condition, it has been demonstrated that the biodiversity value of the site will actually be increased as a result of this development. And this has been tested and proven at the request of the County Council through the submission of a DEFRA biodiversity matrix. As also noted within the two letters of objection, the development will will require the loss of existing vegetation and the lowering of ground levels. As confirmed by the landscape officer, the development will, as a result, sit down in the landscape and will appear visually well-connected to the existing housing located in the immediate surroundings. The development is also limited to two storeys in height, and as a result, an acceptable relationship with with the adjacent houses will be maintained. The other matters that have been raised and the objections have been addressed in the officer's report and i do not propose to repeat those now in brief summary there are no technical reasons why planning permission should not be granted the application accords with the council's own draft allocation for the land in light of the shortfall in the council's housing land supply the presumption in favor of sustainable development applies this is a sustainable site it will benefit from access to the public transport, pedestrian and cycle connections that are being delivered as part of the adjacent development. We therefore fully support the o- officer recommendation of approval. Many thanks.
0: Thank you very much. Councillor Freeman first. Yeah.
12: Yeah, speak well. okay. Yes, thank you. <coughs> thank you, Madam Chairman. um Once again, I'm the ward councillor for this, along with Councillor Heather Asker, Uh, and obviously Castle Ward in Saffron Warden is where it's all happening this this month. Um, Can I first of all refer to Parish Council comments, section 8 on page 73, 8.1, the objection. What is missed off here, and it's a very important sentence, is that both Councillor Fairhurst and I recuse themselves... From the town council meeting at which this vote was taken, that was so that we could fully represent uh, our uh, parishioners when it came to this meeting. So we recused ourselves, but that hasn't found its way through to the officer's report on page 73. Um, now, the background to this is curious and probably unique. Uh, This—it was 20. Uh, th- this triangle of land. If we can go, please, to a plan of this. You showed a good one earlier on. Yeah, that, that, that Either of those would do. Um, <clears throat> this piece of land was actually a builder's development site when they built de Vigier Avenue. Uh, and it was then left, and the intention was that it would be used as amenity ground uh, for the uh, occupants of de Vigier. However, access to it was... Um, Problematic, and that was never resolved. And so that's the reason why the thing fell into the disrepair that it is now, in fact naturalised, for want of a better word. Um, the building of the 167 houses which form Mortimer's Gate, uh, which is to the bottom of that image, uh, actually allows access to be achieved, uh, and quite suddenly it becomes a more interesting piece of land. Uh, rather... Curiously, Utterford District Council decided at that point that they would adopt it, and they did so summarily, uh, despite the efforts of various folks to uh, stop that happening. So, uh, it is now part of the emerging local plan uh, for up to 14 dwellings. Um, I attempted to get the land into the ownership or control of the town council and we would have looked after it in one way or another but access is a key thing here and you've got two decent access points to it now off the new Mortimer's Gate development. There was no satisfactory access before. So I would ask, I, I mean I, I have difficulty supporting this for the reasons that it's uh, uh, a piece of land that by right should be used for the benefits of the established estate to Avenue and the council at that time uh, decided not to make a fuss about it, and they just allowed it to go. That's that's history. But what I would ask, first of all, it, actually, it was interesting to walk round it today because it's actually quite an elevated piece of land. So what I would ask is that if you approve this, and I certainly will not be voting for it, but if you do, if the committee does choose to approve this, can the development of your 12 houses or whatever uh, be sympathetic to the terrain? And the train is actually quite elevated. You could develop it very, very nicely rather than just flatten it. And actually flattening it, I think, would be very difficult. There has be an awful lot of ground to move. So that's one point. Uh, that would be – I don't know what sort of condition, what word, choice of words you're going to use, but actually uh, it would be a very nice site to build some rather nice dwellings, including the affordable ones taking advantage of the fact that it's essentially on a little tiny hill right next door to a field. The field incidentally went on fire recently and it was in all the local papers, you would have noticed it, and on national uh, uh, local news. The alternative, uh, the other thing is that uh, the wildlife, obviously there's reptiles, there are other animals as well. I would ask that the wildlife be properly protected by condition. Uh, there aren't just reptiles there, there are other things. Uh, And also, I would ask that Uttersville District Council, who have chosen to be the custodians of this site, provide alternative open space, because that's a requirement of the planning system. you have sequestered some open space. It's space suitable for wildlife. It obviously won't be suitable for wildlife by the time it's been built all over. We're not the same sort of wildlife. Uh, And it's forced us to provide an alternative Utterswood's quite a big place. Uh, We have quite a lot of land within our gift. We need to set some aside to provide an alternative to this. You can't just take it. uh, uh, It's it's not an endless supply. So I would say that uh, those three matters should be conditioned at this point rather than trying to condition them when the uh, substantive application comes forward. Wildlife development sympathetic to the terrain rather than trying to flatten it and provision of alternative open space. Thank you.
18: Yeah. Mr. Um, Lemon. Thank you. First of all, um, can it be made clear that we, uh, I noticed that the, the Town Council were concerned about the Covenant, and can I just get clearance on that, that we, we do not have to talk about the Covenant. It does not apply to planning... I think
8: I will say that it's not but I think Elizabeth probably can give you more details on
18: that one. Thank you.
6: Essentially a covenant is a private law matter and a private law matter is not a material planning consideration. In this particular case the covenants that buying the land relate to not carrying out any activities thereon that might constitute a nuisance to neighbouring landowners and reciprocal rights of access for persons and utilities. There is also a requirement that the land be fenced, but as I understand it from Mr Tyler, that fencing does not exist, and certainly the plans with which I have been provided don't uh, contain within them the markings from which the fencing was to be there. However, in any event, a covenant of that kind may be released by agreement or, alternatively, an application can, if necessary, be made to what used to be known as the Lands Tribunal.
18: Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'm fairly sympathetic to this um, uh, planning application um, on the grounds that the land at the moment is really not to my mind usable so unless anything is going to be done to make that usable for the, uh, as a public open space i think it would probably be better to, to allow this development uh, the other thing that seemed to me was the access was quite good to it so i'm fairly sympathetic with it at the moment
0: did you want sorry councillor fairhurst it was i'll take councillor fairhurst first and then you okay
2: thank you madam thank you. chairman good timing um, great word this I'm hearing, sympathetic, it means a lot of things. Covenants and ownerships are not relevant to planning applications. We know this, they're not legal issues. We're discussing the planning viability. So who owns this really doesn't matter. But I suspect here history will judge the owner. We need to be sympathetic to this land. Sympathetic to what the future holds for Saffron Walden. This is not London. We're not trying to urbanize Saffron Walden. We're trying to preserve as much of the character as we can. And that character includes reptiles and bats, even if boxes have been removed. It's more important than today. We've said a couple of months ago that we're going to commit to climate change and emergencies and things. And they're all weeds of weedly words if we do nothing when it comes to time. This is a tiny little triangle of nothingness for 12 houses. And instead we'll say, well, it's okay, we own it, it's fine. It isn't fine, Madam Chairman. It isn't fine. We've been told that S7 and Gen 7 and EMV3 and and EMV8, pretty comprehensive that it's not needed sufficiently to wipe out those reptiles. And it may be in in a state of disuse, and we should be ashamed of that. Let's fix it. But I cannot support this. For 12 houses... Do we need it that badly? I come back to the word. Is that sympathetic? We'll make the houses lower. I strongly support rejecting this out of hand. I propose that.
0: Councillor Pavitt.
2: Yes, I would absolutely second
15: and support what Councillor Fairhurst has said. I think to to build on there is an act of vandalism, frankly. Nothing less than that. Um, Those photographs you showed, by the way, the two shots along the perimeters must have been deliberately chosen to show its least attractive feature. If you actually walk up there, walk up the slope and into it, it's a wilderness. It's been pretty much untouched for 30-odd years. There are trees there that are old. There's quite a diversity of trees, which provides quite a diversity of habitat for wildlife. Uh, just transplanting what you manage to catch and putting it somewhere else is not protecting biodiversity. It's absolutely not. Um, I just think yeah, for you know, for the sake of 12 houses, for six days' supply of housing, to remove that—that's been allowed to develop over 30 odd years into quite a little gem. Um, yeah, vandalism, frankly.
0: Councillor Lochlan,
13: and then Councillor Bagnall.
0: Thank you. Well,
13: I wholeheartedly agree. I actually walked up that slope today, and I—I I actually thought, well. This committee, not only do we have um, a duty to the people that live here, we have a duty to the wildlife that live here. I remember a long time ago reading a science fiction film where everything was concreted over apart from a small patch of grass where you could pay to go and stand on this small patch of grass, which was all that was left uh, because it had all been built over. And it was very far-fetched and perhaps seemed silly. But um, if we start doing this, then we're going to have nothing left for our wildlife We're told. I mean, one of the things about uh, planning, the 106 agreements, we only can see them on paper. We don't actually see what happens. So we're told here that um, the reptiles will be removed. We don't know how. What did they do? Put them on a bus Mm -hmm. and say, uh, (laughs) you know, go down the road and live there. We we can't. We do not know what is going to happen to the wildlife on that site. This council recently declared a climate emergency. On this land, there are trees that are putting out oxygen into the atmosphere and taking in uh, CO2, uh, which um, and they are absorbing the pollutants. That, are, that all the building that we have allowed, rightly or wrongly, um, is helping to mitigate that. So I don't think, in all conscience, for 12 houses or, or even two, I, I would be. Are able to say that I I would desecrate this site for that you know for people to live there because the wildlife have a right to live there too and so I'm going to refuse this.
0: Can I just say, Councillor Lock? I totally agree with you with that, with looking I mean having walked up there today and looking at that large black and white photograph, or well, it appeared a black and white photograph with the it, the view you could see there was virtually no greenery left round there apart from the fields beside it and all those new houses with very little green areas green space and there was that lovely little gem so yeah i totally agree with you it's councillor bagnell uh,
4: thank you um yeah so looked at this and i completely agree with all the comments that have come around it is an outline permission so it's about principal development Uh, And my fear would be that you'd start with 12, you'd end up with 20, you could end up with 30. It's another one of those sort of applications. Um, But I think we don't care enough about the wildlife. Uh, And when I say we, I think round the table we seem to. Um, I'm concerned about um, some of the consultees. So I've looked at the ecology one. The ecology one looks to be a desktop exercise this is the sort of location they should have come out and they should have looked at it for themselves. But it seems to be a usual bog standard sort of answer. You've got to do the standard things if you approve it with the standard conditions. There's no real care. So we need to, I think we need to feed back to the standard consultees that they need to make, make a better effort in terms of their responses because they seem to be all very desktop and they don't seem to care enough. Um, but I do support Councillor Loughlin and I think um, I think this is one that I would definitely
8: refuse as well. Can I just clarify the issues about biodiversity? Um, First of all, one of the speakers mentioned badgers. Issues around badgers is always, always redacted in terms of locations. There are badgers on the site, that is accepted, um, but um, specific issues about locations of badgers is deliberately redacted. It's the only piece of wildlife that's protected because of what we do to it, to be frank. Um, The issues picking up Councillor Laughlin's point. um, I'm not justifying it on this basis, but the solution is to translocate them, and you'll pick up that the agent did say that the um, the reptiles will be translocated to a site behind regions. There's, a, there's an area behind there. So, the No, no, no. That, it's, it's, that is only with respect of... of no, 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 no. That, as I say, I'm not justified it. I'm just saying that is the context of the protected species will be translocated. And, and I'm picking up Councillor Bagnall's point. It is a desktop exercise. I mean, the, the idea... It is not for the ecologist to go on site to check every single site and they don't shut the sites, but it's based upon the information that's provided to them by the engaged ecologists. No, they would have got more details than that, I assure you. They would have got an ecology study. So, but I do accept what you're saying.
0: Councillor Pavard.
15: Yes, can I just add to what Councillor Bagnall said, and that's, it's clearly a desktop exercise, because I would bet that the, the location behind regions does not replicate the kind of site that sits there, there, are, there are, there's planting on there, there's vines there's types of trees that I bet do not exist where, where regions do therefore what's, the species that are there in that location will not survive if they're transplanted so I mean it's, it's a nonsense, it really is the
8: aim, the aim, just to clarify that issue and again I'm not justifying this the whole aim of the process is to create a habitat and if you, you could argue the that, that all, habitat That habitat that's there, the there, there now is yeah, 30 so. years
15: old you yeah. can't create that overnight <laughs>
0: Councillor Keaton.
14: Um, Yes, I'm very much uh, in a half and half on this uh, application. I mean, I hear what everybody is saying. I mean, South Cambridgeshire and Cambridgeshire have been doing some very good work on natural capital, and they've come up with a a concept of net, natural capital. So if some developer does some work on a site, they insist on them doing, replacing it and adding value at another location. And this seems to me to be a location where we might be possibly able to sacrifice the the current um, habitat if we could achieve uh, uh, added value in another uh, habitat in the district. and I I, I think as a policy we should be getting the policy team to to look at that kind of concept. Um, uh, But until we've got that kind of policy and concept in, I think I'm going to go for the status quo. But I do think we we do need to have uh, particularly with our concern about climate change you know district council haven't got that much land and one of the ways we can help the climate emergency is actually to to plant trees now that is obviously a quite a suitable location to to plant some trees for Uttlesford, and therefore we, we've we got to have a much bigger picture than just looking at it as a, a short uh, and small planning application. Now, I mean, what Councillor
8: Catern, I think, is describing is, is biodiversity offsetting, which happens, it is quite, it's quite active in Cambridgeshire. It is happening in Essex, to, to be actually honest with you, but it, it, you need to have a plan of where, you're, you're right, it's big picture stuff, you know, you, contributions from particular sites to create a better thing somewhere else, and of course in Cambridgeshire they're doing quite a lot with the Great Fen projects and all sorts of things around there as well, so that's a fair point but obviously that's for another place
13: Councillor Sutton Can I just can I just um, uh, second uh, Councillor Fairhurst's application to, to refuse please.
0: Thank you very much Councillor Gerard.
1: I don't want to labour the point, um, certainly, I, I feel that as a, as a council we have declared a climate emergency. We have a duty to come through on that. In my opinion, to destroy something that we would have to find land on which to plant is lunacy. Uh, but bringing us back to planning, which is why we're here, we are i mean I think you know we do have very a very uh, simple position here, we we don't have a a 5-year housing supply and we are in the tilted balance. We do have clear policies here, uh, S7, Gen 7, ENV3 and ENV8. S7 in particular is for the countryside. This is in the countryside. We have two recent appeal decisions by uh, esteemed, uh, just in the last few weeks, esteemed inspectors who have given S7 countryside, protection of the countryside, significant weight, and I, would, I wouldn't feel at, at all uh, in a position of any, any weakness if, if, this, if this were to be refused, if this was to be refused and it did go to appeal and we could defend this, I think, quite, quite easily. So I feel absolutely that those are the policies and it's the right thing to do.
0: Okay, we'll take this to a vote. So we have a proposal, Councillor Fairhurst, seconded refuse. by Councillor Sutton. Um, therefore, um, the vote is to the proposal is to vote um, refuse. to refuse this. So all those in favour of refusing this application. One, two, three, four, five,
6: six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten to refuse. And, and one against. Yes. yes. Where's the oh, oh,
0: councillor Stora is not there. Yes. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, councillor Bagnell, to Go and get councillor Stora.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, for the purposes of the audio record, Councillor Stora has returned to the room.
0: So UTT191725FUL land at Acrecroft and the High Street at Great Chesterford, and um, Robert Davis, thank you.
23: The application site is to the rear of a dwelling in Great Chesterford. To the rear is new residential development of 31 dwellings at Thorpley. Two large houses have been built to the southwest of the site, which you can see on the actual plan outside the red line. Previous planning consents in 2015 and 2016, although time-lapsed, have accepted that the site would be suitable for the erection of three large detached dwellings. A recent application was refused to um, renew that permission as it failed to address the housing mix requirement required for sites of three dwellings or more. Um, that requirement is to have a proportion of smaller dwellings, and that's I did find as two and three bedroom houses. Access will be formed between the existing dwelling and the access to the car park to the rear of the Plough um, Public House. The driveway will be approximately 5 metres in width, narrowing to 4 metres at a pinch point to the side of the dwelling, before widening again to the main part of the site. This meets requirements of the highways Authority and is wide enough for fire tenders. The size of the dwelling on Plot 1 has been reduced from that previously approved, which was for an eight-bedroomed house on that plot, which is now a three-bedroomed house. The dwellings on Plots 2 and 3 are identical to that previously approved. The provision of a dwelling with three bedrooms on Plot 1 ensures that the development reasonably complies with Policy H10 housing mix, the sole reason for refusal of the previous application. Given this and the previous approval for greater built form on the site, the application is recommended for approval. Thank you. Mr.
0: Robert, um, we have well, we have the same speaker twice. Twice, are you are you speaking?
24: I am speaking for the parish council as well as as district council. As well as the
0: chair. All right. Would you like to come and speak?
24: Like to, thank you. So, how,
0: how long are you? Are you, how long are you intending? To, doesn't look like you're intending to speak for ten minutes, then. No,
24: minutes. I you can. wouldn't dream of speaking for ten minutes. Well, actually, I'm, um, very, I'm very glad about that. Actually. But th- thank you for giving me that opportunity. <laughs> um, thank you very much indeed, Madam Chair. And can I thank the committee for the increased time limits which have been provided to public speakers? That's very helpful. But I won't be burdening the committee for that long. Um, I'm speaking both as district councillor and on behalf of and at the request of Great Chesterford Parish Council. If I can take the parish council comments first, please. Um, it's probably best if I just read them out verbatim, as they are a model of both clarity and brevity. Great Chesterford Parish Council objects to this application as the council considers it over development of the site. The proposal overlooks neighbouring properties... Policy Gen 2, and includes material change from the approved scheme due to the significant increase in size of two of the properties. The Council continues to have strong reservation regarding the limited width access. Policy Gen 1, and is not convinced that sufficient parking spaces are provided. Policy Gen 8. The Council also notes concerns relating to the accuracy of the plans and written documents, including the location of trees within the plans. The Council requested that District Councillor Gregory calls this application into Planning Committee and noted that should the application be approved despite the Council's objections, then the Council would request Section 106 funds towards recreational facilities. As I said, a model of clarity and brevity. Speaking as District Councillor, um, I happen to know that this application has been bouncing around for some five and a half years since March 2014 I know that quite distinctly because it was a subject of such contention in Great Chesterford at the time that it caused the resignation of the then chair of the parish council in view of the hostility that was generated and I ended up uh, being bounced into the job of acting chair of the parish council at that time so I can be absolutely precise as to the timing of this it's been the subject of repeated applications it's been the subject of consistent concerns the same ones access construction overbearing inaccuracies in the documentation and overwhelming opposition within the village i have to say that the officer's report does put forward an excellent case in support of the proposal but i'm minded to suggest that it really is defending the indefensible two eight-bedroom properties and one three-bedroom property in a back garden i mean honestly this is this is palpable nonsense does that really address housing need in the district and in the village do we really imagine that the parking situation will be so adequately addressed by that and might we not be looking in a few years time at a change of use to individual dwellings in uh, subdivision into individual d- dwellings in respect to those eight-bedroom properties I really would ask you to give this very careful consideration before you considering approving it and I have trouble agreeing with officers conclusions if you are minded to approve can I suggest that there would need to be a robust construction management plan uh, in respect to parking in respect of working hours and expected access time for deliveries and can i also please if i may disagree with officers when they state that the eight bedroom properties don't fulfill power 56 of the uh, nppf there really does need to be a contribution to recreational facilities which places quite a heavy burden on the budget of the parish council if these are to go ahead thank you very much indeed
0: Thank you very much, Councillor Gregory. I'll open it up. Anybody? Anybody want to say anything? Councillor Bagnall.
4: I was reading through this, and um, I was astonished to hear eight-bedroom properties, uh, and I was more astonished that I didn't read it. ...until I got into the the parish comments... ...so I'm not quite sure why the officers haven't made it quite clear to the committee... ...because I saw three detached properties... ...but not three eight-bedroom detached properties... ...so if you start at the beginning, it talks about three new dwellings... Uh, ...it talks about the proposal... ...full planning permission, sought for erection, of three detached dwellings... I think it's quite material that there are eight-bedroom properties, so I think it would be really helpful for the committee if those things were pointed out up front. Now, it may be some people are aware of that through other means, I don't know, but um, it would have been more helpful for me, certainly. Um, and, and I'm also um, concerned that uh, we're seeing... Uh, we've got overwhelming opposition to the proposal, and once again, we've had previous applications, they've now lapsed, so we're not, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Why, When they're being approved, things aren't being progressed. Uh, so I'm concerned by that as well, and, and I, it makes me wonder what's really going on in the background. Um, but I, I can't see a need for eight-bedroom properties at all anywhere.
0: I think what concerns me with this one is is it, a, is it a real mix when you 've got two eight bedrooms and you 've got a three bedroom it 's not really a mix and also having seen having seen the size of the three bedrooms three bedroom house the bedrooms are enormous so it 's not the standard three bedroomed house it's a detached three bedroom house it is a very large three bedroomed house um now, it could you could say it's the, it could the right mix for great Chesterford you know but that's not for us really here but an eight two eight bedrooms and a three bedroom does it you know does it gel? but I don't know if that's actually for us to actually decide upon
2: council Fairhurst Thank You mr chairman um yeah it's an awkward run because it's it's pretty unique, isn't it? We don't get too many of these around every... I don't think we've ever seen one before with two eight bedrooms in a, in a site that size. Um, we have to apply a planning rules to this, and there are three houses, and, and three houses are being applied for, um, and all sorts of strange things happen in Great Chesterfield. Um, I, you know, it was suggested maybe overdevelopment and looking at that plan, it, it really does look a little bit like overdevelopment to me, but that's just, you know, that's my observation. I, I don't know... Um, I'm inclined to think it's overdevelopment, but it's, I, yeah. Three, three, three houses in that space, um, if, you had, if there were eight bedrooms, you'd think you'd have one house in that space. Eight bedrooms, a lot of bedrooms, it's, 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 it's a community. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would probably be inclined to think it's overdevelopment.
0: Can I just ask, Robert, how big are the, the two properties that we can see on the plan? How, the ones behind.
23: Um, do we I, know how big they are? Sorry, I think they're I did calculate it. I think it's something around about 400 square meters.
0: So the, the two behind. So they're oh, even,
23: Sorry, the ones the, behind. The ones behind. Oh, they're roughly the same size as these ones on the application site. There's not much difference. Those is there, properties.
0: Is, is there a great? How big a gap is there?
23: There's a 30 meter gap between the ones on plots one and two and the house, which you can see. These have got six bedrooms and
8: the houses themselves have got a
23: combination of three floors, including the roof space. Can I help? Please a floor do. Space, there's not much difference between these that have been, approved, that have been built up there and the ones that have been put on this site here.
8: This, this is, this is where members have a problem, to be honest, because you, first of all, to clarify Council Pagnell's comments, the, we don't necessarily have to put on the description what the size of the house is, and obviously the, the, the consideration isn't just the description, there is also the plans, but uh, I think once you get to eight, you, you're probably right. And then, <laughs> but then looking at the scheme, um, and when you're talking about a site being over development, and being when you're talking about over development, you're also talking about in character. It's in character because there's some similar-sized dwellings behind it. So therefore, then it becomes, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's, it feels nice that you'll be approving these large dwellings when you could allow. Sort of potentially more smaller dwellings, but that's not where we are. And so, unfortunately, the the peculiarity of a a housing mix condition H10 does mean that we have to have a mix. And this is a pure mix of two eights and a three. And it's the threes that we need. And I I agree, it's balmy. It's absolutely balmy, but it's compliant with policy H10. And I would find it difficult in terms of overdevelopment, bearing in mind what you've
12: got exactly next door.
0: Councillor Freeman.
12: Yeah, well, they do grow very big houses in Great Chesterford. There's no question about this. We have a precedent in the middle, Uh, Carmel Street. There's a former councillor that have two huge houses on their former land. So it's obviously a local phenomena. But um, something which I would say is that, I mean, eight bedrooms nowadays, um, of course, people don't leave home. You go back and live at home with your parents. So we're presumably looking at eight people who are working age, who uh, work and live in one house, and each one has got to have a motor car because there's no public transport as we know. So where are they going to put eight cars? It's, I mean, it, the parking alone would be a reason for turning this down, I'm afraid, because they're going to be parked out on the street in the village, and you can't get a bus through there at the moment. If you take the bus, number seven bus, city seven. Uh, somehow or other it navigates Great Chesterford High Street and sometimes gets stuck and sometimes hits one of the old property so I, I think it's, um, it's a bit of a joke really
8: I, help, I mean, again help members I think members are just finding this slightly Bizarre. uncomfortable that you're dealing with two eight bedroom dwellings and, and I agree but now you're scrubbing around to try to find a reason to refuse it and, and, and you know and and i and i and i am and a little bit concerned about you know how that sits and so and you know
0: sorry councillor gerard i was getting lost in the, right. the of of this that's yeah. fine
1: thank you very much yeah maybe we could go back to if to the the the, the Objections raised by the Parish Council, I think, are pertinent here. Maybe we could just look look at planning issues and just see if we can hit these one by one. Um, The issue of overlooking neighbours' properties, Gen 2. Can we just hit that one first, please? Is is this overlooking or not?
8: 30 metres away. Which? So
1: it's not... Okay. Okay. We have an issue regarding the width, limited width access, again, on Gen 1. Can we look
23: um, the width? Of the is five metres at the front of the site. It now is to four metres. The requirement is for uh, this number of properties to be only 2.4 metres wide for an access to that sort of site. Um, yes, yeah, so, and an access for a fire tender needs to be 3.7 metres wide, so it is wider than that.
1: Satisfied right.
23: Each house has got a two-car garage and a parking area adjacent to it, which would probably fit another three or four cars on there.
1: I mean, Madam chairman, I'm, you know, th- th- there is nothing wrong with someone applying for a large house, okay. but course, I mean, there isn't. Obviously, I mean, there are people around here who, you know, it's unusual, and it's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of people coming out of the access onto the road so I I assume that the the parking issues are relevant uh, the the access issues are relevant and in terms of the amount of traffic coming out onto that road probably is relevant we've knocked on the head the other issues but perhaps this is one of those issues we could look delve deeper into
0: Councillor Pavitt
1: Can I ask the
15: officer, Mr. Davis do, do you know when the highways assess the access onto the high street, how many cars they were allowing for? Because typically the houses behind have anything up to six cars in their driveways.
23: No, I can't answer that question. I don't know. Sorry.
15: So you could have 18 cars, 12 to 18 cars accessing that
23: onto? Well, potentially, yes. But there again, um, there's an access next door to the public. Um, house car park which probably gets even more um, so, so we're going traffic So we trouble,
15: trouble the volume of traffic
13: Councillor Loughlin Thank you uh, it, it strikes me that this has more history than Henry VIII I more but You're more wise yeah. <laughs> That's, <a wee laughs> That's why it needs That's eight bedrooms. <laughs> no he only has six wives <clears throat> Now I want to know because it says here part countryside, part within development limits and partly in a conservation area. So, I mean, you can't apply part of a policy and you could apply policy to anyone against this for any one of these policies, but they're only part, part, part. So, could you explain to me why it's partly in the countryside, partly within development limits and partly in a conservation area? I know I know. What it means, but why is this, and why has it come here?
23: Show you on the map. This part up here is the 2006 um, defined boundary limits for the village. So the area behind here is technically in the countryside. That's also the boundary of the conservation area there as well. That's why it's part. The site is partly in the countryside, partly within the defined limits. As it is existing, it is in the country size, but in the uh, regulation 19 local plan is going to be within the actual limits for growth
13: Sorry, did you say regulation 19? Are you talking about the emerging local plan?
23: Uh, yes, I was.
13: Uh, well, because uh, experience tells me that the last local plan was thrown out, so I don't really uh, like to use that. I like to use the current local plan. It may may not have as much weight, but uh, if it gets thrown out, it won't have any weight at all, will it? So I like to go with what we have at the moment. So I'm discounting that. Could I make a, a
0: proposal here that we defer this for a, for a visit because I think, I think yeah. a visit would actually clarify a lot of this for us. You are second yeah. Okay. Is yeah. Councillor Stora, do you want, still want to say what you wanted to say? Okay, please do.
5: May, may I ask the officer um, a couple of, of questions? And forgive me if you've already answered it, as you may well have. Given the, the width of the access to the site what limits does that impose upon the number of dwellings that could be developed on that site? Do you know? We
8: we can take that away and consider that as part when we visit the site. I know there are
5: limits that the County Council introduced and I just wondered if there were any limits. Okay, second question is, surely there, there must be a reference in the National Planning Policy Framework somewhere if not in the local plan, I can't think of anything in um, our adopted local plan that relates to the efficient and effective use of land. And three very, very substantial houses when we have a pretty substantial deficit of housing might perhaps be something um, that we could, where we could use Whatever policy or guidance that there is to to increase that number perhaps the emergent
8: the emerging local plan takes that on board in terms of there is a density issue and we, we talked about density in another format earlier when we' talking about newport, but also you 're quite right it 's the best use of land if, if you 're allowing large dwellings on a site when you could have allowed four or five smaller dwellings then a, but we haven't got that yet. That's one of those policies that needs to be tested through the examination. But that's emerging. And we just, we're also, when we have that.
5: But, but in, in the meantime, I, I suspect I could, you know, or anyone could unearth some in the framework, a guess, but I'm, I'm not sure. We'll take that away as well.
0: Okay, so you have...
5: Well, we've done it,
8: haven't we?
0: We've voted for deferring. Yeah, no, we know. haven't voted yet. Oh,
8: have yeah. oh, No, we sorry. haven't. I've only okay. proposed it. Okay, that's
0: good. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're trying to rush me through this, aren't you? Um, okay, so we have a proposal, which is me, and seconded by Councillor Lemon. Therefore, um, could I take a vote, please, on the proposal of deferring this application? One, two, three, four.
6: Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank
0: you very much. Thank you. UTT 190899, full application on Parsonage Farm, Church End, Church Street in Henham. Nigel, thank you. Okay.
8: Thank you, Chairman. I think this one's, there was a member's site visit for this this morning. And I think it is, I think it's quite straightforward what the proposal is. The proposal is um, the site lays in uh, behind Parsonage Farmhouse in, um, in Henham. It's, a collection of, it's currently a collection of community facilities as Holiday lets and adjacent to it and it's currently got consent for use as a gym. It's so the retrospective nature of the proposal isn't just the gym. The gym has permission. Um, what the proposal entails is to do um, this is a planning application, to Building. I think, the, I think the planning application's the, the, main, the main bone, but again, I don't think it's, it's, it's a simple, straightforward issue. What's proposed is that currently there was permission for the gym in that proposal. Members saw that in operation today. Um, what the proposal involves is expanding the gym into the adjacent building there. And members saw the sliver of a gap in between the two, and so therefore it is it's to morph into that area there and then to let the, the former brewery building next door to another related activity, um, hopefully a physiotherapy, something like that. So I think in, re, in response that, that fits in very much within the, the theme of what we got. What has happened on the site, though, is that we have an outdoor, an outdoor exercise area um, which is expanding the gym outside, and members saw the, the activities on site. I think the sticking point appears to be uh, operating hours. And I think we could have sorted this out without bringing it to committee. So apologies to members in terms of that. But um, we have our members would have seen from the site that there is a residential property down here, uh, you know, that that um, may be affected by the by the use. Currently, the proposed um, operation hours are. I always get this wrong. That's why it's written down. The current op- um, operating hours from within the site um, are from. Um, I've got the opening proposed hours here. The proposed hours outside of the site are from 6 in the morning till 9 at night, um, Mondays to Friday. Um, I think those are a move to be slightly earlier on a Friday, but I think, in, in essence, it's 6 till 9, Monday to Friday, 8 to 2 on a Saturday, and 8 to 2 on a Sunday and bank holiday. I think the contentious issue seems to be that early start issue. So the starting point is that that is the operation for the whole gym, outward and inward, in terms of what is proposed. Um, we'll wait for the discussion to see where the, the operating hours will take us. Um, there, is a, there is a companion listed building application to go with this because uh, these buildings here, which... With respect to the people who own it and are unremarkable buildings, but they in themselves are curtilage listed to the main house. That's why That's why we have a, a parallel listed building application. So the application is recommended for approval, subject to those conditions.
0: Thank you, um, Mr. Brown. Um, we have two speakers: Councillor Simon Lee on behalf of of Henham Parish Council and Oliver Emsden. So, Councillor Lee, you have five minutes, Councillor. Thank you.
25: Good afternoon, and thank you for the opportunity to speak, everyone. My name is Simon Lee, a Henham Parish Councillor and resident. Firstly, I would like to state that Henham Parish Council is supportive of the commercial enterprise Vision Fitness, uh, as it is a useful amenity to the village. However... The gym has been operating outside of multiple conditions set within the original decision notice for the last 18 months and has developed its operation by stealth, which is unacceptable. We recommended to the consultation um, two conditions which we uh, wished to be added um, had the committee been mindful to, uh, to pass the application. However, the officer did not include those recommendations Sorry, it did not include those conditions within his recommendation and therefore the matter has been brought to you today. And those conditions or concerns that we have are the trading hours. Uh, the original consent obtained from UDC um, to trade stated the development hereby permitted shall not be used outside of the hours of 9am and 10pm Monday to Friday, 9am to 6pm on Saturday and not at all on Sundays or public holidays this has been ignored. The reason stated is in the interest of protecting the immunity of adjoining properties occupants in relation to policies Gen 2, Gen 4, the Uttersford Local Plan as adopted and the NPPF. Henham Parish Council requests that UDC restrict the use of the outdoor space until 10am on Sundays and public holidays. Other amenities such as the uh, Elsenham Clay Pigeon Shoe, which is on adjacent land, are restricted to not commence activities until 10 a.m. The same rule should apply. The main building can trade, but we would request that the restriction is purely on the outside space. With regard to the outside space, current retrospective planning permission for the construction of the external ramps, raised decking and training equipment on agricultural land has been completed. You've, you saw it for yourself this morning. The origin, original permission stated, the building shall be appro- a, 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 sorry, should be appropriately enclosed with sound installation materials in accordance with a scheme to be agreed and approved in writing by the local planning authority, which shall thereafter be permanently retained and maintained to a satisfaction of the local authority. The reason for this in the interest of protecting the amenities of adjoining property occupiers, particularly in relation to noise and disturbance, in accordance with policies Gen 2 and ENV 11 of the local plan and the NPPF. The outside space contravenes these permissions. The area is clearly visible and activities including instructor-led boot camps can readily be heard from other properties within the Henham Conservation Area. To protect other properties and residents, and PC requests that this permission and policies be upheld and that suitable screening of the outs- outside area and noise-calming measures be undertaken to stop the local impact. Both these conditions have been discussed with the applicant and, in principle, verbally agreed by them. Henham Parish Council requests the Planning Committee passes this application subject to the inclusion of these two minor conditions. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Councillor Lee. And Oliver Emsden?
15: Excuse me, Chair, I just have to move a
26: car. Thank you very much. Okay, shall I carry on? Yes, please.
6: Again, for the purposes of the audio record, Councillor Pavitt has left the room.
26: Thank you, Chair and members of the committee. My name is Oli Emsden and I own and operate the gym that I set up in January 2018 called Vision Fitness. Since starting the business, membership has grown to over 250 members and facilities that employment of five staff. Many of the members are very local and it is a valuable asset to the community which they all benefit from. The extension of the business into the adjacent former brewery building will benefit members through the provision of an additional studio to facilitate more indoor classes, as well as offer a wider range of services that complement the gym. I understand that there has been a concern raised despite the site located a big field away relating to the use of the outdoor exercise area. usage of the outdoor area is for individual members personal use, but for health and safety reasons only is limited to when weather and light permits. Formal classes are limited to demand, typically two or three a week, and limited to practicalities, i.e. normally consisting of eight to ten people. Whilst noise sensitive, given that property is located some considerable distance from the equipment, I accept that potentially the playing of amplified music in this area could be Considered a nuisance. This was confirmed in the noise survey that I commissioned to accompany this application. As a result, I offered to accept a condition prohibiting the use of amplified music in any outside areas at any time of the day. This control measure, measure has been accepted by the planning officer, the environmental health officer, as being effective in preventing any nuisance. I conclude, therefore, that there are no planning reasons why planning permission and listed building consent should not be granted. There are no conservation objections, no highway objections. The gym is an appropriate reuse of a formal agricultural building. In design terms, it is acceptable and it provides a valued local service. I would add that we have installed some security lights that have been adjusted to point downwards in response to a burglary. I would like to mention some real positives that the gym has achieved since its short time of opening. A very recent one is we have been shortlisted for the National Fitness Awards this year. This means that out of all the gyms across the country, we have been chosen in the top six to be the best boutique gym of the year. This is an incredible achievement to have achieved, and my fingers are crossed that we can go on and win it come November 27th. As well as the gym's growing success in the community and success in the fitness field, we have had the pleasure of helping lots of different people with what I like to call real-life changing goals. We strive to help everyone no matter what size, shape, age, fitness level or disability. Simply through word of mouth we we look after two stroke victims with rehab support, a partially blind lady who needs one-on-one support, people with diabetes, people who have undergone serious health issues and people who have had major surgery. This is an example of the work we do in the gym but the work we do outside of the gym is of also extreme importance we sponsor local village fates, such as henham one or two years in a, uh, for two years in a row elsham and take will be sponsor we also sponsor local fun runs local sports teams with new kit and we do a lot of fundraising for local charities too we had a summer party for our members this summer all proceeds going to children with cancer uk It was so nice to see the whole community we have created come in their numbers to support not only us as a gym, but also an amazing charity too. In summary, I trust that the committee will grant planning permission and listed building consent and enable me to continue running my business, for which I am very proud. We are more than just a gym. We are the hub of the community. Thank you for listening.
6: Thank you very much, Mr. Hamston. Again, Madam Chair, if I may, uh, Councillor Pavitt returned to the room while Mr. Amston was speaking for the purposes of the record once more. Thank you very much.
0: Councillor LeCount.
3: I know the area very well, and I think what the the company's done in that gym is exemplary. Very, very good. So I want to cut this quite short to, to, to say basically two conditions. One, on a Sunday, it should start at 10. And number two, that there should be some screening around the back for the outdoor area, excuse me, <coughs> around the back of the outdoor area to, to stop noise and aggravation to the properties. And that's my proposal. So I will be supporting with those Co- conditions.
13: Councillor Lochlan. Thank you. Well, I'm going to go against that because all I saw were two horses. Uh, I actually th- thought this was wonderful. It's in compliance with the MPPF. Uh, my own son goes to the gym at 6 o'clock in the morning. I think he's mad, but that's what he does. Uh, and it, that allows people that actually work to go to the gym because they at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, they can't do that. Uh, and, and the same at night, the, the young lad... Who I, who I think is laudable that he's actually started this business it's been so successful which is what we're encouraging uh, along with health facilities as is the MPPF and as is our local policy. So I think that's great. I think if you me this um, I think it will be to the detriment of the local people and the area. Um, he said there won't be any uh, amplified music and um, Outside, when it's cold, uh, the young guy told us this morning, I'm sorry I don't know your name, but you I call you young guy because that's what you are, mm-hmm. and uh, the young guy... Uh, and, You know, a couple of puffs and a grunt isn't really going to annoy the neighbours. The house was uh, quite a long way off. You can't see it unless you stand on the roof or look out the top window, which you're not going to do all day long. Uh, And I think in the winter, if they're like me, they're not going to want to be outside at 6 o'clock in the morning in the dark. Uh, So, I mean, I'm happy to uh, propose the recommendation.
3: Could I just actually say, mine was Sunday only? It wasn't during the week. It was, it's 10 o'clock on Sunday.
13: I, I Sorry, I, I stand by my first my <laughs> statement. I think it's fine, but others may not. Councillor Gerard.
1: Thank you, Chair. Um, likewise, I, I didn't think. I mean, I, I'm also think it's a wonderful thing that the business is doing. I, I fully encourage it and fully supported, I do think that um, on site this, this morning and, and, and upon reflection, I think the issue, the only issue that I have is, is the outdoor area. So I would like to see a condition that actually splits the timetables between indoor use and outdoor use. I think the indoor use, I don't see any problem at all. It's, it's a modern building. It's well-organized. It's, it's well-insulated. It's, well it's the outdoor use that I think maybe one could tweak uh, again it's only for the issues of, of Sundays for me and bank holidays. I think those possibly, an 8 a.m. start possibly, in my opinion, is a bit early on Sundays and bank holidays for the outdoor use. I'd like to see that a 9 a.m. start on those days. Apart from that, I fully support it.
2: Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I would uh, like to support what uh, um, uh, Councillor Cairn suggested, that Sundays only start at 10 o'clock. Sundays, Sundays could be, start, I, know, I presume you mean Sundays and public holidays, but um, the rest, I mean, a screening might help and why not, um, but I'm not mad about these early mornings. I, I used to run a Pilates franchise and people do want to do things at 6 o'clock in the morning, believe it or not. I can't imagine why, um, but they do. And so I think as, as, as few limitations as possible to encourage an entrepreneur to get his job done and support people getting healthy. It's not a bad thing to do.
0: Um. Councillor
4: Bagnall. Just a quick point. So, I I support all the comments, but uh, an observation that you seem to have approval, and this is a direct statement. So, you seem to have approval, but you're not sticking to the conditions that were part of that approval. This is what I'm hearing, so I might have misheard that. Um, So, I think it's great that you're starting a business, but if you're going to get approval for something, and there are conditions, you need to operate within the conditions. Uh, and I don't think that helps, uh, but I, I would bow to the local people. So if the parish council say that there are certain conditions they want to see, then I would support those conditions, uh, and I would just remind you, if you're going to get approval with conditions, make sure you operate within the conditions, and then we don't, we don't even need to have this come back to
12: committee.
0: Um, Councillor Freeman?
12: Yeah, very good, Jim. It would be a better Jim than uh, the rather sad brewery next door. I'm fully supportive. But Councillor Councillor Bagnall uh, uh, is very correct in saying that the conditions are conditions, and they're not there just as advisories or nice to have. If there are conditions on the time of the usage, they need to be observed.
5: Otherwise, uh, there will be problems of one sort or another.
0: Councillor Storey, did you want to say something? Yes.
5: Thank you, Chair. I think my only concern would be um, the noise issue because if you consider a... I think what often happens is that in, and I may stand to be corrected on this, in gymnasia there might might be um, music playing relatively loudly while people are doing whatever they're doing in there, but on a hot day, for example, it may well be that the The windows are open, and that noise emanates to uh, have an adverse impact upon the immunity of neighbours. I don't know. I'm just identifying that as a a possibility, perhaps, and it's something that may may need to be controlled by appropriate conditions. Although what they are, what the decibels are, I wouldn't like to say. I would also think it would be impractical to impose... Um, a condition that no windows or doors open. We were there this morning, the doors were open at one point. Not all of them, but there was uh, a young lady doing her exercises and as far as I could see, the doors were were open and it happens. And it's the middle of September now. Uh, Okay, but there there may be music. If there isn't any, fine. But there may be, I don't know. Or there may be in the future, perhaps, if we don't accept it if we don't hear it now thank you chairman just just to
8: clarify the wind, the doors were open for our benefit this morning and and secondly the the building has air conditioning inside and the last thing the applicant wanted to do was to open the doors while he's while he's while his customers were inside so I think the issue is we don't have to we don't have to control that the the, the doors will be closed because that's, that's good for operations and I think it does but and it, I also recommend I also suggest a recommend you look at condition three, which says no amplified music. I would suggest that slightly changed rather than just saying no amplified music, saying no amplification, because I know I know the way Oliver operates. It doesn't, he doesn't mic himself up and, and talks, but you know, you, you know the last thing anyone wants to will be left, right, left, right when you wake up. So there's no amplification, full stop. Uh, you know, so no amplification will, will be used out on the outside gym, and I think that will clarify that particular issue. And I think it all boils down to members coming to a decision over what they want in terms of the hours. Councilor
0: Keaton.
14: Can can I just propose that uh, we agree uh, the conditions as set down by the the officer? It seems to me quite reasonable. Uh, Some people might like to start at 8 o'clock. I see no reason why they shouldn't on a Sunday.
18: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Sorry. No, I can't. Right. it's Councillor Bagnall? Sorry, can I... Well, Can I just,
4: first? just yeah, be clear? Do. Can I just be clear on the conditions? Because I'm hearing a proposal to go with the officers' conditions, but it doesn't sound like it covers the parish council's conditions. Oh, right. So Is I, I would do city, a yeah. counter proposal. I think it's important that you include the parish council's conditions because they're the people that are living with it. Well, they're the people in the area.
8: No. It's, mm. I think think, Councillor Pagnall, I think Councillor Lachlan's right. The the starting point is, is, you know, you've got the the right to vote against the proposal. And I think that's the starting point. The last thing we want to do is, before we start tinkering with conditions... I don't think it's going to go, but I think we just need... The starting point needs to be we need to consider the recommendation and then, and then we take it from there. But I think members are... So we, norm- we would normally, if we're minded to
4: refuse, then that's different. But if we're minded to approve this, then we normally talk about the conditions so that we can capture them when we, before we have the vote. So we've talked about it on other applications about the conditions that we might want to include. And all I'm saying is the Parish Council's conditions are important, and we need to include those. We can't just ignore them. So I think it's important that we include those Parish Council conditions.
14: Can, can I just come back? Because I, I wasn't quite clear what the Parish Council were proposing. So I think we need, to at this juncture, to actually discuss Or hear what the parish council's conditions are because I thought they were slightly too onerous, I must admit.
3: Chair, I thought the natural fact the parish council said that, in actual fact, all the times were fine, uh, but only the Sunday morning on the outside of the, the gym. Only the Sunday morning. Not, not, not. That's all they're asking for. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying.
8: I'm anxious here that we need—we don't want to stymie a business, and so yeah. members need to, because that's taken in the context of a clay pigeon shoot, which is restricted not to commence until 10am. That is completely different activity, to be honest. But members just need to be mindful of that. Anyway. Right,
0: hang on, hang on, please, Councillor Fairhurst.
2: Thank you, Madam Chairman. The proposal, as I understand it, that I've seconded, is exactly what stands there, including Section 2, which talks about times, except that it's tweaked about Sundays and public holidays, that it starts at 10. And if we do that, we're encouraging entrepreneurs, but we're considering the parish council. I think that's what they're asking for. Both parties are happy with this thing, and we get a deal here. Is that acceptable?
8: Can I also specify that members need to make a distinction whether or not they're only looking about the outside activities, picking up Councillor Gerard's point. So for outside activities, so we take Councillor Gerard's response, we leave the condition as it is, Regarding internal activities, but external activities, and then we'll have exactly the same hours but starting at 10 on the.
0: A... Councillor Gerard.
1: Thank you. Under the new trial, rule, trial rules of how we're operating, could I ask if we could just check, please, with the Parish Council if, that, if what we're proposing is what they have said? Because I, I, do, I do think this is a cooperation matter. It's a cooperation between Parish Council the the council and the operator. Could I just just clarify, because we're a bit confused as to what it is that you wanted in the conditions.
8: And I also suggest under the new rules that we need to check whether that's acceptable to the applicant.
14: Can I can I can I make a point? I, I, you know, we are all saying that we uh, admire this business and, and its entrepreneurship, but to actually restrict his trading hours by fifty percent on a on a Sunday, when it is a key trading day, I would assume, does seem to be a bit onerous. Just to, yeah. it's a, it's a bit like a. Uh, using a sledgehammer to crack an, a nut. Um, uh, I, I, I will say that I think you know, 8 o'clock on a Sunday, if it's, an, if it's a, an individual member out there, is not going to cause any public nuisance. So yeah. I am very reluctant. I will vote against if we, we are going to be uh, that draconian on a Sunday because yeah. it is a it will be a a good trading day for the the business.
8: I will advise members that you need to be clear because we need to pick this condition up to enforce it. So therefore it it could be that if you're going to restrict it to 10am on a Sunday, I would suggest it's any exercise activity because obviously it doesn't stop a member of the staff going around and having to do something to do, not actually for a member's issues. But I think you, you can't make distinctions between group activity and single activities because that just gets un- unenforceable and so if members are mindful to ten o'clock on a Sunday which I think is acceptable in terms of moving forward So, but it's up to how members want to address that issue and that seems to be that that's the, the only sticking
2: point Your microphone. Let's try and find consensus here we sort of seem to be comfortable at 10 you guys are not comfortable at 10 but would you be comfortable at 9? So you just considered the neighbourhood
13: neighbours as well? Per, speaking personally, I think 10 is too restrictive. You know, people don't go along to the gym at 10. Most people, especially young people, I mean, I like a lie-in on a Sunday, but uh, lots of people would go down and they'd go early. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's the young guys living. Uh, and, I, you know, he's already said, and he told us on site this morning... In the winter time, it'll be dark. People don't go out there, and it'll be cold. You yeah. know, th- that, and there isn't that much out there. It's just a patch. There was a. Did you Did you see the site? Yeah. So I mean, I yeah. Ten o'clock. I think that's very unfair. Very very unfair. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah.
6: This I is
0: can, getting into a bit of a free for all here. Thank well, you. Well, we'll, we'll Could call we call just we'll go sound. through the chair? Thank you. Um, right. So, Councillor Sutton, would you like to say so, what you're saying? Sorry,
6: just, sorry, chairman. I was just trying to say that if it shuts at two, then it doesn't give you that many hours on it. You know, could would you know? It, supposing it was nine, would that still be two? Would that?
2: I would go with nine. Nine. I'd go with nine. No, 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 no. Go nine. nine. Uh, I, Your call. Yes, but it is, it's still their business, and outside's nice.
3: I put a proposal for approval on the basis that the times stay exactly as they are going to be early, but on a Sunday it will be 10 o'clock and we would look for some screening for noise, just on the back part. But it's only on the outside.
8: That condition, because we're retrospective, we have to put a deadline on it, so we will say within three months um, we will have a scheme of, of, of screening and then we'll take it from there.
0: And that will be subject to the, con- um, to the condition of the, the, the actual activity. It's yes, outside. Yes.
8: I mean, yeah. I would also. I think I'm, I'm sorry. I'm reading So that was restricted to outdoor activities. So we do the we do what we we'll call, the, for want of a better word, the councillor Gerard split of the outdoor and indoor activities. With the outdoor activities them being the same, but the outdoor activities same from ten o'clock, with an additional condition. Requiring some sort of noise noise screening, yeah, which is not going to be anything technically. It's just going to be something to, yeah, not on a Sunday. just a Sunday
0: and bank and bank holidays. Oh. Mm. Councilor Fearless.
2: Sorry to make your laugh difficult, Madam Chairman, but I'm with, I'm attracting my second on this. So I'm going to offer an amendment at nine, because I want to get consensus here, and, and half the room wants to go for nine. So I'm going to say on public holidays and Sundays from nine o'clock. <laughs>
14: She's uh, and we're talking, and now we're, we are talking about the outside activities. Right. Okay. We'll go, go with that.
0: Councillor Pavott, was that you seconding that? Or was you, or yes, you so I seconded. 9am, 9 9 a.m., Sundays and bank
15: holidays. Outdoors only.
0: That's Sunday my Sundays and bank, holidays.
13: Sorry, I need to get this straight in my head because uh, I just want to know what we're voting for. So it'll be six a qu- six a qu- <laughs> week. See, it's driven me mad. Six a week, qu- six o'clock during the week, <laughs> nine o'clock on Sundays, on the outside. outside. Right. Is that is that am I clear? Is everybody clear? That is. is that is that so clear got to do through getting nods okay i can go with that otherwise i can't yeah
8: right yeah. okay picking up, okay. yeah. up councillor has perked, he's made an amendment which has been seconded so i, I, I would suggest that just goes to the vote to be honest, with could we, yeah. could yes. you,
13: could you, as the chair, uh, for the benefit of those at home or listening in, what those can, what the, the hours and everything can actually be? Is is. Right.
8: Right. There's sort of three bits to this. The main bit is that condition two um, is, we'll, we'll do the wording, but it's it's going to include that external, inter, external activities shall be restricted, and it's the same hours. But the, the current amendment is that night, but it's changed from from eight till nine on a Sunday, and bank holidays, and bank. Uh, yeah. Secondly, there is a condition requiring that within three months we have a, a scheme of screening around around that activity. And thirdly, I would suggest that we amend condition three to not just say amplified music, just says no amplification shall be played shall be used.
6: Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. I think, I think We've got. We go um, no, we have.
0: Unfortunately, we have one, one more to go. Yeah. We,
8: have, we have two more
0: to go. Sit down.
12: Yeah. Can I, uh, do I am know. voting, Madam Chairman. Just I'm, voting, a... <laughs> I'm voting with my feet. Just to
8: confirm, separate to that, we also have a, a, the companion application for listed building which doesn't cover the operating hours. It's all about the works. And again, that is recommended for approval subject to conditions.
6: unanimous in favor oh sorry oh my god oh. Oh. can
0: we all-
12: can we get on madam chairman
0: please <laughs> Right, Getting started, UTT 191490HHF, Woodview House, Woodview Drive, Rickling Green.
27: Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Okay, the application site is a two-storey residential property which is located off of Brickilne Lane in Rickling Green. Um, the property is located here, so it's set back off of the main road. The applications for works to be carried out um, regarding a covered, open covered area. It's been submitted, uh, it was originally constructed under permitted development, however, because of the fact that the intention is to include a roof now, it's been, um, and the application's been submitted and uh, has been described as retrospective. So, in terms of the area that's proposed to be covered, it's to the rear of the property, and it's this area here, which is set back. So, these are the elevations showing the enclosure here, but I think, to be perfectly honest with you, this will give you a better idea of what it looks like. So, (laughs) this is the picture of what's been constructed up to date, hence the description. So, it's not completely right that it's retrospective. However, because of the intention to cover it with uh, a roof and with roof lights, the application's been submitted. No impact has been considered, therefore recommended for approval unconditionally. Thank you, Chair.
0: Thank you. So, we have a... So, Fairhurst. To approve. And Councillor Gerard, Thank you. So, we have a proposal by Councillor Fairhurst and seconded by Councillor Gerard to approve this application. Can I take this to a vote, please? To approve.
6: If I may, first of all, through the Chair, I believe Councillor LeCount was out of the room. So could you please not be counted in this one so can we now go to the vote please? one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight nine, ten, eleven and one missing and so that's it's unanimous. unanimous thank you. Um, could you just could you just give me
0: two minutes please before you go?